Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Surfa CBD, grown by surfers for surfers to help you maintenance your body after a lifetime of surfing. Follow us on Instagram at Surfa, S-E-R-F-A, CBD. Use promo code late night with chalky at checkout for 20% off surfacbd.com. Earth Pack, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. EarthPack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Down with Chalky podcast. Wow, that was loud. <laughs> that was strong. Hey, our guest this week is a surfer skater, or he might be a skater surfer. Either way, he rips and has deep roots in both. From an aspiring surfer to hanging and loving the skate scene, he parlayed his passions into some great industry gigs, including Transworld Skate, Surfing, and Skateboarding Magazines. He was an early investor in Brixton, and he also got in the restaurant business in 2013 and co-founded Privateer Pizza with his bud. Yeah. Yeah. Delicious. Good good friend, Charlie Anderson. And with his knowledge in media, he continues to write and publish the O-Sider Magazine, which is a local Oceanside publication, paying back to the roots in the community. Love it. But somehow this animal still has more time on his hands. And with his industry experiences, he created and launched in 2018 a surf hard goods brand called Low Tide. Manufacturing. Manufacturing. And that's uh, focusing on traction pads and leashes. It is freaking, they look sick. We got a couple. And we're pumped and excited to welcome our buddy, Jamie Buck Life Stone. Yeah, yeah, boys. Thanks for having me up here on this yeah. beautiful day. It, the kids these days would call him a core lord. <laughs> I mean, you know that, right? Yeah. He's a fucking core lord. <laughs> right? This guy is fucking bash in the bone OG. core fucking lord. Hey, he's done it all for sure. <laughs> oh, but yeah. he's like legit. In in every fucking there's always a shady side to everybody. Yeah, right? we all got a shady sides, and you know we'll get into your you know we got your shade. Roots. We got a little shady. Buck life, but are you, you fucking kidding me? But like, just you fucking killed it, man. You're still killing it. Oh, thank you guys. Yeah. You know what the the word I'm accepting now is uncle. 
Yeah. You know, now that I'm school. in my fifties, now I'm an uncle. And at first it was like, someone that called too. me uncle. Yeah. And then I was like, no, wait, I'm an uncle now. Yeah. Sick. Yeah. You know, that's endearment. A, like right there. It's like, another cool, like term of endearment. Yeah. that The youngins give to the elders. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like you made it, but also you've slowed down a little bit. So you're an uncle. It's like, it's got like a little duality there. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, 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 that, and I mean, you know, we'll talk about how, you know, we had elders and, and, and kind of the, the old school that kind of looked after us when we were young. And For you're sure. in that position now. So right? you got to take everything that you learned from your elders and pass it down. To and by the way, back. what an introduction, huh? Yeah. You guys killed Late it. night. Fucking. I I, you know? That was pretty good, dude. For, Did you just rip that off Wikipedia or what you was know, the deal? I, uh, it's the, the, the World Wide Web has a lot of info. Yeah, but, but you uh, put it all together very nicely, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was that. very like eloquent and like you, know? you used big words, which you did. You used it properly, too. I had to, <laughs> I probably had to Google a few of them just to make sure. <laughs> just, but, uh, uh, dude. Let's get right to it. Fucking, where did it all begin for Buck Life? Oceanside. You know, Oceanside. I mean, I, I was born in Scripps down in San Diego, so I'm one of the few people that's actually a California and a San Diego native that lives in San Diego, nice. which is very rare in these uh, this day and age. But just was a little white trash kid. My mom grew up in Claremont, and uh, she kind of grew up around kind of the biker scene, and she was a single mother, putting me, my brother, my sister... You know, trying to trying to raise us. So damn, she worked three kids. At, yeah, she worked at bars at night, and then actually put herself through school to become a journeyman pipe fitter. And Are actually, you fucking kidding? Yeah, me? pretty heavy. So I guess I get some of my work ethic from her. Damn. Just keep grinding. Yeah. So uh, deadbeat dad was out. She worked her ass off. And uh, was he a biker too? Or no, no, he was actually um, uh, kind of a, an army guy that went AWOL, um, Spanish and Irish combo. Just kind of a. <laughs> kind of a classic character, man. A classic character. Um, I only met him a couple times. But uh, just watching my mom do that was crazy. And we just three were kind kids. of... Yeah, three kids. I have an older brother and a younger sister. And we're all within probably about four years of each other. So we basically raised ourselves because my mom had to work yeah. day and night and put herself through school. And then uh, in about second grade, we moved from South San Diego up to Oceanside. And that's really where things started to blossom for Jamie Stone, the, yeah. the what, guy that cared about time, me. Uh, age... I was I was second grade, so what's that like ten? No, like seven. Seven, yeah. seven, yeah, because I started surfing at ten. Wow. So uh, she she had remarried a new guy, and we were living up there, and uh, she was having a big party, and this guy had said he was going to quit smoking, and uh, he said if we caught him smoking a cigarette, he'd either double our allowance was like a buck or something a week, you know, or he'd get us something we wanted really bad. So one night they were having a party, caught him smoking a cigarette. Ran out. I was like, I got you. I got you. You know, jumped on his lap. He's like, what do you want? And the word surfboard popped out of my mouth. No way. I have no idea where it came from. I was 10. I was was 10. I started surfing at 10. So I was 10 by this time. So fourth grade is that? Third or fourth grade? And uh, I just said surfboard. It flew out of my mouth. So he went and got me a Doyle softy. And as soon as I got in that ocean, I just, it was it. It was just on. So that's so funny that like. Surfboard pop, you know, we're probably thinking of something like expensive, like something. Oh, I'm gonna get like I want a nugget, yeah, yeah, I want something like (laughs) solid. Were you around surfing already, or I think through the just osmosis, I had a uh, a Charlie Anderson who's you know, me and him are thick as thieves, like brothers, and another guy, Paul Vasquez. And you've known him, Charlie, since yeah, since the spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. 
crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I moved to Oceanside. We all met in, in, you know, whatever, second grade together. And this other buddy, Paul Voskis, his brother, Mike Voskis, who passed away, uh, rest in peace, was a uh, shaper for IPA. No fucking So maybe somewhere through there, because he was kind of the first guy I started surfing with, yeah. maybe somewhere in there subconsciously, that's where the idea for a surfboard came. Yeah. But I had already skateboarded. I started skateboarding younger because it was uh, like my grandmother on my dad's side had bought me like a little plastic freeformer skateboard. Yeah. But that was more just like a toy at that point, you know? But was it like bombing the hills and just going A to B down the street? Yeah, just yeah. driveway skating, you yeah. know, skating in your cul-de-sac or wherever, you know. Here, tic-tac kid, go, go, go tic-tac. Yeah. Pretending you were surfing. Pretty much, I think. And I just remember my um, cousins and uncles on my dad's side, when I'd go up to my, my his his mom's, uh, my grandmother, they had like Big O because they were, lived up in Anaheim. So they had like all the skate park photos and skateboarder mags. Yeah. So skateboarding happened first for me, but then surfing happened second. And yeah. as soon as I started surfing, it was just crazy. Like that's all I wanted to do. You know, there was a group of us. I lived a little further away, like five miles away. And I'd ride my bike, meet him at the strawberry stand. And then we'd ride to Tamarack. And we just surf all day, come home and sleep, surf, sleep, surf, sleep. Yeah. And then on the weekends or weekdays when I was at school, I'd skate because I couldn't get to the beach. So your first surfboard was a soft Doyle. Maury Doyle. And you hadn't ridden anything. You hadn't surfed yet. No, I hadn't surfed Were yet. Were you guys going to the beach at all in the summer? Like Yeah, yeah. like like my mom would take us and, and we'd swim and stuff like that. Yeah, play in the shore break, little groms. I always loved the water, right? Yeah. I was I had so much energy, like I think I maybe slept like five hours a night. My mom yeah. used to go crazy. It was so. Uh, we're talking um, early seventies. This is seventies. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think so. If I started surfing at ten, I was born in seventy, so that would be nineteen eighty. So yeah, nineteen eighty, right there at the at the cutoff of the eighties, kid. Yeah. So yeah. pretty interesting. And what was the scene like back then? It was different. I mean, Oceanside was rugged. We actually started surfing in Carlsbad because there was a uh, GNS store. It was kind of a little bit inland, and Wit Rowlett from Wit's Carlsbad Pipelines yeah. owned that or managed that store for GNS. So during the week, we'd all hang out and be shop rats. You know, pre-internet, that's where you got your information, right? Yeah, yeah. Was the surf shop, and Wit and Chris Adams, rest in peace, were kind of the guys that ran that store, and everything that they did, we wanted, right? Yeah. So we'd skate out front, and that was where like Alfonso Rawls and Danny Way and Mario Rubicaba, all the Vista skate locals. Nice. You know, you might have heard of Danny Way. Yeah. Uh, Kind of a legend, you He's know. Kind of famous. Yeah. Kind of done a few things. Yeah. Um, but Jumped yeah. the China wall on a skateboard. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> so, so I met all those guys young. So, like, I had this whole skate vibe where I would be skating all the time with these guys because I didn't have to be home because my mom was always gone. Yeah. But then I had my surf crew, and that was my crew that on the weekends at the beach all day 
hangy, you yeah. know? So I always kind of lived in both worlds. And uh, that's actually how, how I met uh, Vinny and a bunch of other guys is we'd hang out at the shop and Wit one day said, hey, Jamie, you got to hang out after. It's time for everyone to leave. And I thought, oh, man, like, what did I do? Did I, like, so knock over the trash can or, like, you know, Grom torture? Like, what? And he uh, actually handed me a uh, WSA contest form. He's like, I've been seeing you surf. He's like, I think you could do all right. He's like, here's 25 bucks. Go down to the harbor, enter this contest. Sick. And I didn't tell any of my friends because he was the, I was the only one out of that crew that he kind of pulled aside. Yeah. And I was nervous as hell that night, you know, like, oh my God, contest. I don't know if I'm ready for this. And uh, I ended up surfing it and I got second place at the harbor and Vinny De La Pena won. Of course he did. And awesome. of course, Vinny. I mean, <laughs> whap, whap, beautiful so, cutbacks all day. Yeah. So go back during your, when you started, when you were skateboarding, what, what were you into? What boards were you riding? What? Oh, um, you remember the wheels, the trucks? Oh, for sure. My first Christmas complete was a Santa Cruz Steve Alva bevel board, which was the one that had the really gnarly concave. Yeah. And it actually hurt your foot because the concave was so yeah. gnarly. It had Indies and uh, OJ wheels. Nice. That was my first complete, but that was just like... Rail guards and... Tow everything on like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It was it was like the kick tail. Remember like, those things yeah. had nose guards and tail? Yeah. Oh, rip grip, the whole yeah. nine. That was yeah. like the full <laughs> fantasy board. You I'm know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I just doubled the weight of this thing. No way. Yeah. I mean, making up a curb. <laughs> yeah, but that was pre-really even street ollies or any of that. Yeah. I mean, it was still slashes and surf skating at that right. point. Right. So uh, vert, vert skating. Vert skating, yeah, really. Cool and ramp. Yeah. yeah. And then as I got like better at skateboarding and I was, you know, learning from those guys and all the Vista skate locals and all those those high level guys I was around, it became GNS boards because yeah. GNS was that shop. So you so, went from uh, the soft oil board to a GNS? Or? Yeah, my first, it was actually my first board was a Gary Linden. So that's what's cool about the story. So I got second place and that Monday I went back to the shop to tell Wit and I go, Wit, dude, I got second. He goes, I figured you'd make the final. He goes, I've been watching you surf. He goes, hey, why don't you pick out, you know, I think it was like 250 bucks worth of clothes. Wow. And he goes, and he goes, uh, Oh, no, at this point, I already had the Linden because that was a hardboard. That was my first hardboard that I actually bought. Okay. It was like 200 bucks. After the softy. After the yeah. soft. That was my first proper board that's that a, I surfed the contest That's a on. big thing. Yeah, twin, twin fin, a little 5'2 twin fin. Moving yeah. from that to that, from your first board where you're just yeah, not just, knowing anything. Just going straight in the white water, you know. And then watching your other friends like ride regular better boards, you're like, okay, I, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm better now. I got to step up my, my new board. I got to get a new yeah. board. And it's funny because I haven't even thought about that, but the Linden board was a twin fin and I got it at the GNS shop and I don't know how I got the money. Maybe my mom, birthday gift or something, yeah. or somehow I got the board and that was the board that I surfed my first contest That's on. Sick. So let me correct that. But when I went back to the GNS shop, he gave me like 250 bucks worth of clothes, which I was just this little white trash kid. I couldn't believe it. Right. And then he goes, order a custom board. And, and I got a Terry Goldsmith twin fin. Like and so sad. I couldn't believe it. Of of that, like change. It's a game changer. It changed my whole life. That like, moment. Like you instantly now. Like when's the next contest? Like where am I going? I'm gonna sign it in every one of those. Things. And what an amazing dude for to sure to fucking to, yeah to yeah. bring Rowlett, man. I have so much respect for him. He's still doing it down there at Carlsbad Pipelines, dude. That's He's, so awesome. And, and like, that and that's heard of him. Yeah. Right. I mean, over the years, yeah. his name is. Definitely. I mean, he pretty much helped Taylor Knox big time too. Yeah, Taylor, he pulled Taylor under his wing uh, later on. And 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 that's not isolated for that shop. I mean, this happens all up and down the shops, yeah, everywhere because you know they're they're upbringing the new generation. Yeah, it's all the young kids, and 
you want them to come, bring the parents and the friends, and it, and and it's it's somewhat like old school marketing. Yeah. But you're 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 really helping out like kids in Stoke because, it, like you said, the minute you hit the ocean, how insane and it was game changer with with surfing. Yeah. That's what I mean, they we, know. Yeah. They know that. And that was the only path back then. There was no internet or YouTube tutorials or coaches. There was yeah. none of that. You know. But seriously, like for him to like identify your talent and then give you the order form and say, here's, you know, not order form, the entry form. Yeah. And tell you to go into this Go contest. do this. Yeah. I mean, that changed the trajectory of your life. Definitely. 100%. You know, like, and even that for, moment right there, like... And even for the parents, like, you know, because they know when you're asking for a board or a wetsuit, they're like, you better, you know, you better not grow anymore and you better let this stretch out for the next Back year. then especially, yeah. I mean, right? especially single mom with three kids. Yeah. So, so when you come home, mom, guess what? And you show up with all this gear. What does he want? What did you steal? Where did you get no, this? Yeah. Like, that's exactly what happened. She took me back down because she thought I was pilfering. Yeah. And uh, Witt's like, no, he, we're sponsoring him now. He's, you know, he's on the shop team for GNS. But oh my God. They, and my mom was just like, thank God out of yeah. the three kids. One's like, we got clothes for one kid now, yeah. boards for one kid. Yeah. You know? So uh, yeah, that was pretty amazing. I mean, when people talk about struggle, like that's fucking, you know, I that's a struggle. Yeah, like, yeah. You even know, though like, surfing's free, you, you don't need to go to a course, you don't need a coach. You can just go out and do it. But you know, for struggling parents, like like I said, a board yeah. and a wetsuit and just a leash surfing and even waxes and a bike to get to bike, the beach. You know, it's, it's an expensive sport back then and now. Yeah, like twenty five dollars every week, and you know, back then was. You oh know, if you're going to do a contest every week, I mean, now your parents are like 200 bucks and that was a long time. That's expensive. So, yeah. So you got second in the contest. Got second. Not first, but second. Yeah. Vinny. Where no. was it? <laughs> it uh, Norchetti at the Harbor. Wow. Yeah. Sick. Waves were good. It, was, it was good. I mean, I barely remember it now. Like, you know, you get to a certain point and all the little plastic trophies you win as an amateur, you kind of let them go. That's the one that I kept. It's just a little teeny plaque. It's all beat up, yeah, but I still have that first one in it. Sweet. A couple other ones that are significant to me, but I never made it to like the level to where it's like a proper trophy. You know? yeah. So getting second in the contest, yeah. Wit stepped up and sponsored you. Hooked me up. It was almost like he had it planned. It was weird. He just what? What, what about a goodie, goodie bag at the event finalists? You get like a yeah, I got a little goodie, got a little goodie bag. I think I can't remember what it's probably some sunscreen and like uh, like a. Freestyle watch or something back then, or you yeah, know, it was the first yeah. contest you had ever, ever served. First, first, any competitive of anything. What a fucking trip! Yeah. Right? No, no basketball, no, no soccer, basketball. No other, like, I did play a little soccer, uh, so but we, but I that was just like at that age, it was like you're just running around on the field. Yeah, of course. you know what I mean. Not AYSO, just <laughs> yeah. I, I did work my way up later, um, but I quit that by the time I was thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, how rad! Like. For Wit to, to do that, and then for you to get second, and then for him to sponsor you, you know? Well, yeah. I was freaking. Went to school that week and just, you know. And the muscle shirts wearing back then. Remember the muscle shirts? <laughs> the cutoff? I remember I had I this little one, and it had, like, the, the sunglasses, and it said GNS in it. I wore that shirt out, man. Oh. GNS and TNC, and, like, there's a handful of shirts that were, like, those are the ones. Those are the ones, yeah. yeah. Like, you're that age, and, and your peer, you know, you get so fucking sight yeah and you're just proud going to school for sure puffing your chest out going second i got is... plastic i got clothes <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> bad for the environment no um but no the funniest part about an oceanside it's so multicultural yeah that no one even cared because you know it's all pacific islanders you know african-americans yeah. mexicans because oceanside's a military town and military. it was pretty rugged back then yeah so like 
yeah. school. Like it wasn't like if I would have done that and maybe been in Santa Cruz or Huntington Beach, there would have been a bigger peer group. Yeah. But the surfing part of the crew was a yeah. tight little clique. Yeah. So there was a little bit of jealousy within that clique, but I think it lit the fire for like my buddy Paul Vasquez to get sponsored and a couple of the other guys to like oh, yeah. get it going too. Yeah. Like, where should we surf with you every day? We could get it too. And yeah. they did. And they did. But and I think it lit that fire for them peripherally. You yeah. know? That's so and, sweet. you know, we're talking about the era of amateur surfing still kind of blossoming. and, and 100%. Getting, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, amateur surfing wasn't a big deal until right around then when Chuck Allen, I think, yeah. know, started really pushing and, and it. WSAs were probably around before or after or during. You or? know, I'm not sure. I started in WSA. I think NSSA was, was around because I'm a little bit younger They're than you guys. pretty parallel, I but, think, yeah. But the, you know, it was kind of like the pecking pecking order. Um, NSSA traveled more, where WSA had your kind of like regional. hometown regional. Like yeah. Yeah. you surfed one or two spots, and if you did well, then you branch out. Where you had to really, you know, have some deep pockets and yeah. some and some some help to get up and down the coast for the NSSAs because everyone was in another town. Another town, right? So, so were you like addicted to surfing contests now? It was just kind of automatic. It was like, these guys are going to pay for it. I'm on to the next one. And I never, as an amateur, I did really well. It seems like I always made the semis or better. I feel like, you know, it, it maybe, I don't know really why. Maybe it was all the energy I had, but I just had a knack for finding the right waves and it just seemed to work. Yeah. So I was skateboarding the whole time and hanging out with skateboarders because during the week, that was my life, like hitting ditches and going around because, like I said, I didn't have any curfews. Yeah. Where most of my friends... They had, you know, parental structure. Yeah. And yeah, I was just running in. wild in the streets. Yeah. yeah. That's how I grew up. Yeah. yeah. You know, We're, like... Yeah. My parents divorced when I was like 11 or 12, and I had a lot of free time, too, yeah. around that, like, adolescence, and... Yeah, it was like, okay, we're going to go hit, you know, the mini ramp at so and so's house. Let's go watch the yeah. the BMXers and the and like the, the semi local pros or pro. I mean, there was like 10, 12 foot like yeah. half pipes at some like yeah. houses. We're it, like, it was weird for me when my friends let's go would hit be the like, launch. Dude, ramp. I got to go check in. Yeah, like, check in. What do you mean? Yeah, I gotta I gotta check in. I gotta let my mom know I'm all right. Oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, Char Charlie Anderson was like. His stepdad, Teddy, was like the strictest guy. And so when we were kids, me and Paul would go to his house to go do stuff. He's like, I can't. He made him play a sport, team sport all the way through high school, yeah. you know. And uh, we have, all of us have friends like that, right? Yeah. Like it's just a different set of yeah. rules and structure, and yeah. which is awesome. Yeah, I, I, I envy that now being a parent, yeah. right? Being yeah. able to, being you, able to you provide that. You understand why right. they did that. You yeah, know, keep 100%. you out of trouble, keep them busy. Yeah. You know, hey, it could parlay into, you know, some 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 college cash, you know. You never know, you know. Exactly. Like surfing and skating, you're going nowhere. Yeah, yeah. especially back skating, then, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's no... This is pre-Kelly Slater, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is like Dave Parmenter winning 500 bucks <laughs> at the Bud Tour level. My, my, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like pro surfing was pretty... Prevalent here, obviously, Surf City, HB, but uh, my, my dad surfed and my, I have a brother older and, you know, I was like 13 and I'm like, I'm going to be a pro. And like, you know, parents are just like, yeah, sure, whatever, yeah. just pass your classes. Yeah, don't, <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, stay in school. But, it you know, back in, the, in, in that era, it was, you know, it wasn't, it's not like it is now. Yeah. You know, we were running the streets. We were running wild in the streets. California kids, right? Uh, yeah. Just doing it. Um, yeah, so that, that, that was fun. And I, I always seemed to be the kid like that got blamed for everything. Like I, I 
polluted Charlie in every way his parents thought. Oh, but yeah. really, Charlie was just begging to get out too. Like I was the one that's like, <laughs> you're the bad guy. Yeah, yeah like I'm sense. like, f it, dude, jump out the window, dude. We're gonna go meet these two girls, you know? He's like, dude, I'm gonna get so busted. I'm like, dude, that girl's so hot. She's into you. Let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? He'd be like, he'd be looking back. And I'm like, and he had these uh like bay doors into his uh his room. I was like, dude, you got doors. You're meant to walk out. Let's go. So I was always the one getting Charlie in trouble since like a young age. It's, it's pretty funny. So yeah. uh, tell us the origination. How did how did Buck Life? <laughs> Buck Life? Nickname. So the nickname, it's, it's uh, it came, you know, social media obviously um, started. Like the first time I heard about social media, I was still at Transworld. And no one else was doing it except for really the skate crew. And I was, you know, working for Transworld Skate. And they're like, yeah, you got to get on this. This is where everyone's at. You can talk to people here and there. And it was really small still. And I started going, okay, I, I need a handle, right? Yeah. And Buccaneer Beach is probably like the worst wave in Oceanside. It can get really good. But like everyone goes to the pier and harbor. But all the best surfers have come out of Buccaneer. Is that in front of the trailer park? Like down yeah. there? Yeah, exactly where the little snack shack is. And there's a, like, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's somewhere down yeah. there you, yeah. you were down there back in the Ezekiel days for sure I'm sure me, you and Vinny met up for a surf or something but yeah. there's like a basketball park where all the gangsters hung out and there were curbs that we used to skate in the parking lot and then the front was the beach and it was the de degenerate beach it's where all the drug dealers were your parents and family didn't want you down there but all the best surfers tend to come out of there like the older guys like John Douglas, Steve Perry for those listening from Oceanside they'll know who that is. Yeah. Um but then that's Steve when Perry Mike from Journey. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> Different Steve Perry, quite the character like that though. Um but like Chewy Reina grew up up the street from there. Mike Lambrizi bodyboarded there before oh. he surfed, you know. So uh, Phil Edwards Wow. No Phil Edwards surfed that area cuz he was from Oceanside Carlsbad area. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't know that. So there's a rich history there and it's like this protected little local beach and that's basically where I spent my whole childhood from, you know, the probably like 13 to now. Yeah. And that's like every day, like I get my coffee, sit on the wall if we're not surfing, you know, and uh, it's so, like the only localized really beach left in Oceanside. Yeah. And, so uh, Buck Life is... So it comes from Buccaneer Beach, so hey, just it. Buck Life, that's a life I live I in. don't know if it's Buccaneer Beach, but I was, I was south of the pier surfing one morning and, you know, th this is, you know, I'm coming down with multiple boards. So I had a test board, you know, in the really? sand. I know where this I'm story's out, going. I'm out, I'm out surfing or whatever. You know, there's it's like seven in the morning. No one like around. Nobody's around. Offshore, just surfing. And then I look in, I see this like chick, you know, like looking, kind of getting close to the board, kind of like gazing around, looking up, looking around. And there's like four dudes in the water, me and a couple of dudes, and nobody <laughs> else. She does the look around and then grabs the board and takes off. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, and I freaking, and I, you know, paddle in, I chase her down, and she drops the board like a few hundred yards, like away. Yeah. And I'm like, opportunities. Yeah, you know? yeah, I know. It, yeah. was it was heavy. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's the, that the gritty side. Of yeah, the, that, that's that gritty side of O side. Like, it, I can count, I can't even count on my hands how many times this happened because I was surfing. One of the differences was, was everyone was so pro O side because we yeah. were so ghetto that all we had was our pride, O side or no side, all this and that, which I love that side of the city. But because I knew people in Santa Cruz, Huntington, you know, La Jolla, I had a bigger group of people because I knew the Machados and I knew the Rufos. So yeah. when people would be coming through Oceanside for a contest and all the boards were made down there in the valley, um, sometimes they'd pick up like four boards and they'd park at the harbor. They'd go surf. They'd come in, their boards would be gone. Yeah. And I'd get the call, dude, someone just stole my boards. I'm like... Where were you at? They're like, oh, the harbor. I'm like, all right. I'd make a couple calls because I knew who would take them. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, hey, can't say no names with my homies on the east yeah, side of Basole. Yeah. 
they I'd be like, hey dude, that's my homies boards. They're like, oh yeah, you want them back? They're like, how much are they worth? I'm like, they're probably like 450 each back then or whatever the price was. Yeah. He's like, tell them 200 bucks. I'll give them all four back. Wow. And I'd call back like, uh, you know, whoever it was. And I'd be like, hey, Shane, um, I located your Rusties, dude. But here's the deal. Like, these fools are crazy. Yeah. 200 bucks. You go, he's on 200 bucks. I'm like, dude, you want them or not, man? Yeah. You got like 800 bucks worth of boards there. I'm like, I'm not. It's, it's not me, dude. tax. Bro. Yeah. I'm like, it's not me. <laughs> and, and these are the guys that like straight gangster fools like fifth generation in these neighborhoods yeah. and uh and like we used to just give them gear because we were sponsored you yeah. know and keep the they'd be like oh homie let me get those glasses yeah. cool. oh yeah here take the dragons chew i gave up my dragons and yeah. give you a new set you know yeah but that was like the tax you paid but at the same time if something ever went down yeah like they on the beach back. yeah especially at buccaneer because the parking lots in the middle and the beach was right here and then in the back there was a huge park yeah and that's where all the south oak crips hung Wow. And there was like 50 members. And that was like, although we were never jumped in, Danny Hayward, another guy that used to surf with us and travel on the tour yeah. with me. Um, we were heavily involved in that neighborhood because we grew up there in South O. So we had backup. So like if something happened with the surfers, all these gangsters would have our back. And it was pretty crazy dynamic because you don't see that a lot of other places. Yeah, yeah. But um, it always felt good to know like if someone did something wrong to us, they, they, we wouldn't even have to engage it. They would just be on it. Like, yeah. yo, what's up, Stoner? They call me Stoner. Yeah. Last name Stone. Yo, Stoner, what's up with that fool? Is he tripping on you? You know? Yeah. Oh, no, we're good. He's like, yeah. you sure? Yeah. You're like, okay. You know? So, yeah, uh, pay your respect. Keep the, keep the vibe cool. You yeah. Know, hey, they're running their deal. They know you're a surfer. Yeah. Yeah. Just stay yeah. out of trouble. Yeah. So, that, that, that happened a lot. But that was part of why Oceanside's so rad, yeah. you know, at the same time. OG. So, so going back to amateur days. Yeah. <clears throat> Who, who became your main sponsors? So for a long time, it was GNS. Sick. GNS took really good care of me. And then what had happened through, was... Through Wit. Through Wit. Yeah. And then I think I was maybe thir 14 and the GNS store shut down. And Wit... No, it didn't quite shut down, but it was kind of like running its course. And GNS was going through some changes. So Wit said, I'm going to open up Carlsbad Pipelines, but I'm not going to be able to afford a team. So it was like we all kind of had to disperse... And Michael Barron, who's from Oceanside, Shaper, yeah. well, probably the most legendary Shaper down yeah. there next to Gary Linden and Takiyama, sure. like those yeah. two guys, uh, said, hey, I'll make you some boards. And his sister, Barbie, owned Offshore Surf Shop in Carlsbad. Sweet. So I switched from there and I went and rode for Offshore Surf Shop. Barbie Barron? Barbie Barron. <laughs> Barbie and Michael Barron, brother-sister combo. And, wow. and uh, Michael started making me boards. And that was really like when I started to have a relationship with the shaper for the first time. Because GNS, I'd order it. It would show up. Here it is. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going down to the factory. I was still a shop guy. Yeah. So offshore became a little tighter. And then I met John Gothard because he was the O'Neill rep. How funny. And he hooked me up with O'Neill. Okay. Nice. And that was sick because back then you get the team down the back. Yeah. And the team logo was so sick. Yeah. And it still had like the 0123 with the detachable sleeves. So worst thing incredible. ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The worst but, thing, but at the time, but it was the in a way. thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, still get rashes everywhere. It was before blind stitch seams and all yeah. that. Um, Team O'Neill. Yeah. Team O'Neill. I was Team O'Neill wetsuits, uh, Michael Barron surfboards, an offshore surf shop. And then uh, I got on Bad Boy Club, Life's a Beach, because they were local. So then that was like 15 through, through like 17. To John Glom? No, it wasn't Glom at the time. It was uh, the McElroy family who they were part of it and the Simo brothers. Okay. And they were stoked because they I met them skating, but I surfed. And back then, it, it didn't used to work that way. Like, the surf guys didn't really want you skating. They thought you were going to get hurt. Yeah. But they did both. So they were like, yeah, dude, do it. 
and um, that was cool because then all of a sudden I had like the bad boy club guy, and <laughs> kind of a whole new kid, and I was surfing a lot of contests back then. So and, that was and you're like 14, 15 now, like yeah. a little bit like yeah, yeah, getting into, getting into myself a little bit. Were you, you know, were you like big kid earlier? No, or were you, you know, I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't get bigger like till probably nineteen to twenty. Late bloomer. Late bloomer. Yeah, yeah. I was probably. 145 all through high school i was fit yeah you know i wish i could go back that way now (laughs) but yeah no i just i spent i mean if i wasn't surfing i was skating or playing basketball you know at the park so i never stopped i mean i probably burned five thousand calories oh yeah we were all you know ten thousand calories Lennon's still waiting to hit his growth spurt yeah yeah right (laughs) (laughs) Um, no but you know it's you know that that era of adolescence and is it you know how you, you know, surf before you hit, bulk, yeah. you know, and then after is like a big difference. So yeah. I was just curious. And if, yeah. you know, you, you excelled really quick, yeah. you know, once you started surfing yeah. all the time. Yeah. So I wonder where that kind of. Yeah. Like, I, I was really strong because I rode my bike or skateboard everywhere. Yeah. These know? kids in electric bikes, they these don't dudes, do any of yeah. that anymore. Yeah, exactly. But they do have trainers now. Like there's a, <laughs> there's, there's a couple kids in Oceanside that uh, this one kid I sponsored, Tex Mitchell. Yeah. He, uh, I called him man child. He's like charges but he's so fit man and then uh lucas alston it seems like in the last year yeah we're from this little gangly kid and now he's like shoulders are broad it's like what's up uncle and i'm like oh boy like what are you on crazy but they're training five days a week they're getting coaching and and we we didn't train at all did you train jay no well i mean a little bit but he started to a little bit like uh when i pong and tennis no but (laughs) in high school no it was just strictly like surfing and we had a little we had a trainer Mm. through our surf team program and and we did like one day a week like in the gym yeah but it's more like stretching and goofing around mostly you know but yeah not like these kids today no on a full program diet everything We were, but, but you know, after high school, yeah, we took it pretty serious for sure. But you didn't yeah. brag about it. You didn't, we weren't going to a trainer. We were just working out. Yeah. yeah. And at that point, I mean, in your generation, because you're just a few years younger than I, yeah, there was more money to be made. Oh, for sure. You know, you were at a really high level as far as exposure and competing. So you were kind of yeah. The show's not like, about like, late yeah. night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it always is. Yeah. But no, it was. I, I just always. I never wanted to lose. Because of conditioning. Yeah. That was just one of the things. You could control that. You know, if, hey, you don't get the wave or, hey, you know, the boards, whatever. But being shit. Oh, you shit definitely happens. didn't lose because of conditioning. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> you got that name late night for a reason. But we want, we want, who's interviewing here? So, were you sponsored by skateboarding companies too or? Not really till later because um, I was concentrating on surfing competitively yeah. and skateboarding was just something I did. And at that time, most of the sponsors like didn't want both. Yeah. They kind of were like, I remember how many times like I'd hear, dude, don't bring your skate for the contest or don't skate before the contest because you're going to sprain your ankle. Yeah. They didn't get that it was a marketing double threat at that point. Yeah. There was only really me and Christian skated and young Nathan Fletcher and a couple, like people skated, but no one really did it. Like I skate yeah. skated, like I was we, out yeah. there doing we've, it, you know. We've talked about how skateboarding and surfing started together, yes. you know. Yeah. And then there's a period in time where skateboarders and surfers hated each other. 100%. And then now it's back together again. It's full you know? circle, yeah. yeah. I think I think it's because when it, when they were, it was kind of that, you know, hey, skate the pool, the bowl, you know, kind of that, that skate surfing vibe. Yeah, it was the mimicking the ocean. And then know? there was, like you mentioned earlier, like then it was like the half pipe. Like these yeah. are the guys 
And then, like, just like all these subcultures, remember yeah. the guys under the pier? I don't know if you remember yeah, yeah, the yeah. trickster. They'd have the little flat boards oh, and they're yeah. doing all the, like, yeah. the freestyle. Freestyle. Off yeah. the and then gravel, that, not gravel, but the, the bump there, yeah, the bump. That was in Trans World. Jason Lee and Gongs, yeah. all those guys. And then the skates. I didn't know Jason Lee was from Huntington Beach. Yeah, what a fucking trip. Yeah, yeah. and then, uh, and then like the launch ramp and the mini ramp, you know, yeah. and then that, you know, and then the street started, you know, it was kind of like there all and these things, but yeah, sidetrack like the scene in Huntington was huge for skateboarding. Huge. Westminster, all the mini ramps yeah. and vert ramps and yeah. skate parks up in Anaheim. Like Huntington Beach High School was like one of the epicenters of skateboarding. Yeah, they had that little park, which was, there's a whole story behind that park because they built it next to the school, but it was really to police the skateboarders. Yeah, it was yeah. the tiniest park ever. Yeah. So bad. You know? And like Gons. But we would drive up from Oceanside to skate that park because Ed Templeton would be there yeah. or Young Tosh Town in or, you know, yeah. all these rad guys. Um, the short story with skateboarding is, it was born from surfing, you know, the Z-Boys generation and, and, and all those guys, the, the Peraltas, they wanted to mimic the surf feeling. And then it got to this freestyle level where freestyle is that little square board where they're flipping the board and all that. And it was kind of like gymnastics, almost like the gymnastics nerd herd yeah, kind of thing. And it was, sure. a, it was a byproduct of the first skate contest where people were doing handstands yeah. and people took the next level. And then... When all the parks started shutting down because of insurance, Gons and Jason Lee and all them started skating curves and Lucero and, and Lance Mountain. Um, and then they would watch the freestyle guys and really Rodney Mullen figured everything out. Dude. He figured it all out. So crazy. So man. once he learned how to do the ollie, that was the unlocker. Because now you could ollie up to a ledge. Now you could ollie out of a quarter pipe. Now you could jump down a handrail. And now you're just, your peripheral, like, okay, remember that one curve, that one spot? Let's go, you know, like now it's just a challenge. It's everywhere. a whole different thing. It's like, I think Matt Mumford said it. Uh, he's a pro skater. That it's a buddy of mine. He said it in one of the trans world videos. When most people walk down the street, they see pathways, crosswalks, skateboarders see a handrail. They see a ledge. They see, you know, yeah. they're looking at it. But that's when skateboarding became our own. When street, when the... When the park guys had to hit the streets and they started stealing freestyling and it merged. Yeah. And then the popsicle stick twin, it was like a bigger version of a freestyle board. And that's when it went off. That's yeah. when Gons and uh, the first handrail was actually slid by Nottis at the amphitheater in Oceanside. I was there the day it happened so at the contest. Crazy. And I freaked out. He also ollied from flat onto a bench. And like back then, if you could ollie six inches high up a curb, it was gnarly. Yeah. And here comes Nottis and just bop onto a bench this high. I mean... I remember just literally losing my shit. I was like, like how the fuck did he just, like, <laughs> yeah, like, what did he just do? I'm immediately learning how to do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, that's where we need to take it. So, uh, so uh, cool. that, that time period, 80s, and for skateboarding, I think it's the 90s, really. Yeah. The 90s are when they said, fuck surfers, this yeah. is skateboarding. Yeah. Sorry if I cuss, you guys can edit it later. You get a little passion. All right. And cool. then it's potty mouth. Yeah. Potty we mouth, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, they're like, fuck it, this is our shit. And then they started veering away from wanting to be associated with surf, they said, this is our thing, now we're yeah. skateboarders. And it was so urban too, that's the other thing about skateboarding, there's no coastal uh, chains, yeah. you know? You could be an inner kitty, city kid from East LA, you could be from New York, you could be from California, and you share this common thing called a skateboard, yeah. you know? So, so that's a, another cool thing about the evolution of our cultures, you know? Like, it's so diverse as far yeah. as like, what style, you know, we, we bring this up yeah. from time to time, like. When I when I think of Buck Life, I think of a fucking raw, uh, <laughs> kind of more hesh, fucking you know ditch skateboarding, full on, and and just you know primal surfing, right? Yeah. And then there's so many different 
views on that. You know what I mean? Like then there's the suave, really smoothed out guy. That, yeah, the the hipster fucking the twin fin. You know, yeah. torn. I love watching guys like that torn, surf. Torn, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when it comes to that with surfing, I think it blossomed again in the 2000s because I think like any sport or lifestyle, depending yeah. on who you are, how you want to feel it. But even in skateboarding now, to get to a level of skateboarding, you have to put your life on the line literally. Like 20 stairs, not just a board slide now, a switch kickflip nose grind, yeah. you know? And it's like they're taking the tech, the gnar, and putting it together. And I feel like the same things happened in surf when the, when the fish came back. You know, maybe Lost had a big thing to do with that with Wardo. They oh, showed yeah. all that fish footy. And I was like, wait a second. There's no way I'm going to surf as good as Mick Fanning or Joel Parco. But guess what? I can ride a twin fin or a mid-length, get into the wave a little earlier, do a sole arch, do a cutback, and feel great. Yeah. Right? You know? And go fast. And go fast. And go fast. And, go fast. Yeah. and have fun. And that, yeah. Like, it's all about, yeah, bringing that excitement level. Who was your heroes when you were skateboarding and surfing when you were younger? Um... So, you know, when you're a kid and you play the game out in the water and everyone claims everyone? Well, my boy, Paul Vasquez, would always claim Curran right away. And you could see he cares so much about his body positioning when he serves and his flow. He, he looks had really the head beautiful. snap down, though. He did have the head snap down. He did have the head snap. <laughs> I wish his hair was longer so he could get the flick, though, too. Awesome. Um, but so he would always be that. And then my Goofy Footer friends would always go straight to Aki, you know. And I always just love Martin Potter. Nice. I just, I love going fast. I wanted, like, I still, even though I'm getting older and slower... I don't want to slow down when I surf. When I surf, I want to kill the wave. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's the way I'm geared. I want to smash it. It's yes. fucking called you know? buck life, bro. It's called buck life. Yeah. <laughs> but that's pots. Like in 87, 88, all those years when he was just hammering yeah. and, and pushing the borders, those, the cutback with the nose popping through the lip at back yeah. door. Yeah. Like those were the images in my head. So, so definitely pots on that end. And then Sick. skateboarding early on, it was Neil Blender yeah, nice. because he was just so weird and creative. And I'm a little weird like that too. He was the first guy to really do his own graphics and say funny things and yeah. just do weird stuff. So I really related to that. And he was a GNS rider. So I attached to that early. And then probably all time skateboarding is John Cardiel. All wow. hail Cardiel. All hail. Nice. Yeah, dude. I mean, he just destroys whatever's in his path. And to me, that was my prime in skateboarding when I was like, late 20s early 30s yeah. like when i was feeling strength and had the most knowledge and the most skill set yeah it was right there when cardiel was killing it so it was just like everything i watched like if you guys don't know about cardiel you younger kids go watch sight unseen transfer video put on cardiel's part and get your mind blown yes that's awesome yeah. Love it. seriously and that and that's we you know like everything subjective style like and identify in, in how you you know like attach yourself to some you know uh, yeah. professional you know like oh i like his the way he looks or dresses his yeah. style the way he approaches the wave i mean and, and that's what's cool about our sports and cultures is yeah. like 100 percent. you know like i love aki but i i couldn't figure out how he surfs like that you know yeah. like you know you try to mimic and i'm like it's just he's so freaking incredible yeah yeah and you, you know the natural Potter, talent and yeah the the way they move their bodies on you know, yeah, like Aki and Kermit. but but like Pots, yeah. yeah, like when Strange Desires came out and yeah. he was at top of his game, and you're just like whole like those floaters he's those doing, floaters man, and just the, the lines he's drawing so different yeah. than everybody else, and like he was he was blowing like fins out, like like you know not doing as many airs, but like you know he would yeah. do the airs, but he was getting like aggressive, yeah, yeah. Like, and then the other one for me would be Richard Cram. I can't. I got to give Richard Cram Ooh. because there was a video Quicksilver did called the Performers. Oh, yeah. oh that 
that sunset footy yeah. and just doing those big arcs. Cars. I remember those carves going, okay, because I grew up surfing mainly beach break and that was when I was like, I got to get some point breaks and start learning how to do those kind of carves. Wow. Yeah. Like the down carves and then fading yeah. and taking your time because I'm like the rabbit, you know, what time? Always in a hurry surfing. Yeah. Get to the next section. Hit it like pots, you know, like yeah. I want to smash, smash, Hulk smash. And then that seeing him was like, there's my juxtaposed. If I could kind of put that into the act mm-hmm. with pots, now we got something cooking. Yeah. So that, sure Cram was the man. Yeah, Crammy was the man. Yeah. So you, you, if you guys are under 40 listening to this, I'm like, sorry you don't know any of these names. You probably know Pots. Like even, even, <laughs> even Elkerton, like, you know, it's like, yeah, if he calmed his... Arms down. He, you know? He, the hand like, I'll say it. Calm your arms down, Elko. Yeah. yeah. But, but, uh, <laughs> the hand jives. But going back to drawing the lines and just destroying yeah. waves. Like, yeah. Big. Sunset is like the place where, you know... He excelled. These yeah. dudes, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you watch them, you know, in waves of consequence, double overhead. But like even Bells, I was watching some old footage because that was like last month or whatever. So, you know, and Elkerton would come up and he would do these like frontside under the lip, like like snaps. Blasters, yeah. It was insane. Anyways, but like, yeah, that whole era for us, like looking up to those guys were like, they're mint. Yeah. I remember Surfing Magazine, they were doing these tutorials for a while. It was like a two-page spread. And uh, there was one of Potts doing the backside under the lip snap. So it's like, get to the bottom of the wave, over the shoulder, get about two-thirds up to the lip, and just backside snap it, let the lip come over you straight forward, not into the tube, and then bust out the window. Yeah. You know? And I just remember practicing those for like a month. Like waiting for days. Like, I get to practice this. I remember trying those. Yeah, because, I mean, it would have like that that eight-shot sequence, and then then the captions on each one, you know? And it's... That, that, that was, was it. That was a YouTube before YouTube of how to do something. Yeah. So so you were doing all the amateur contests. Yeah. NSSAs, WSAs. All that CSA all that was stuff. a big one for me too. Yeah. Okay. And you were doing good making it to... Yeah, I was, I was making the cut. I mean, people were still paying for me to surf the contest. So I was, you know, doing well enough to do that. And your, your eye was to be a pro surfer. Yeah. At that point, that was the path. I mean, I just felt like something had driven me there from early on with wit to like never really being a first round clown and always kind of making it up to the semis or better. And towards like 17, 16, 17 seemed like I was in the top three in every event I surfed almost like I was doing it, you know? So yeah, there was confidence there, but lifestyle wise skateboarding was like my crew. And then there was outside influences from Oceanside, the whole kind of rugged side of Oceanside, if you will, where almost sometimes I had to downplay what I, what my aspirations were because my friends were getting in fights, representing the neighborhood, all that stupid shit was going yeah, on. Yeah. So I kind of had to navigate that. But yeah, that was the goal is to be a pro surfer at the time. Yeah. yeah. So did you become pro? I did. Okay. I did. But back then, it's not like now. There wasn't a stepping stone. It was more like kind of winning all the contests. I'm 18. There's this thing called the Bud Pro Tour. Back then, you couldn't do be an amateur and surf pro events like you can now. If you made the commitment, you made the commitment. So um, I went back to GNS. Jeff Moore was there at the time, and he put me back on and said, hey, let's get you on the Bud Tour. And I think there was a couple contests left. Um, I was a senior in high school, and there was four months left to graduate, and the Holly Eva contest was coming up, the Bud wow. Tour there. And I just told my mom, I go, I go, Mom, I'm, I'm over school. GNS is going to pay me. I'm going to go to Hawaii for a month. And they gave me, I think, like 500 bucks and like six boards. And I and paid for my you know whatever 150 bucks whatever the contrast fee was and I went and surfed Haleiwa. So you quit school. Quit school, just dropped out. Okay. I, I had enough credits. I was I think I needed like a few credits in one class or something. 
could have graduated, but I just made the decision. I'm out. Okay. And had to had the big sit down with my pops, Ron, who he's not my real dad, but he's raised me. I've lived with him since I was like 14, and my mom, because I kind of bailed, so my mom could concentrate on my sister and my brother, because my brother had some issues and stuff. And uh, that's a whole other story. But anyways, yeah. So Holly Eva, and uh, first time to Hawaii. First time to Hawaii. Yeah, it wasn't even. How many boys did you bring? Seven or six. Okay. Yeah, sold them all by the time I left. I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. need these things. I'm never riding these at home. Yeah, yeah. And back then, I mean, these Guam guys, brought one board. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I had like six. A two, twin fin. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I had like a from probably like a six two all the way up like a seven six back yeah. then. You know, yeah. for sunset and. Uh, so you went there prepared. I went there prepared. I was ne- ready. Never surfed Hawaii? Never to Hawaii before. Been what to, was your big wave experience here? Um, Todos. I had surfed Todos and all up and down Mexico, Abriojos, places like that. Yeah. Surfed some big Santa Cruz, but nothing like what I saw when I got to Hawaii. Yeah. You know? But you were kind of comfortable in bigger waves. Yeah, I just was hungry too. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you're young, you don't think so much about the consequence. You just are like, I'm going. I'm I've looked at that gotcha poster, a perfect A-frame pipe my whole life. I'm going, I'm there. Yeah. yeah. Um, wasn't even old enough to get a rental car. Met these other guys that were older. Canave them into getting the car because I had the money. Then we had to get the car back to the airport because I couldn't afford it. The whole, like the whole adventure of being a first time Grom, yeah, yeah. 19 years old in Hawaii, 18. Who'd you go with? By yourself? Solo. Or? Wow. Solo. But the Bud Tour was going there. So yeah. I knew once I got there. You know, uh, Young Strider was there, uh, Donnie Solomon, nice. you know, um, uh, Vinny was there, but he was, you know, already pretty established with Gotcha, so I think he had a different ride. Everyone was pretty much there, that I, my peer group, yeah. but I went solo, yeah. Ended up staying at some, the first couple times, first days I stayed at uh, Mark Fu's little bed and breakfast, the plantation, yeah, yeah. but it was kind of sketchy. There were some sketchy people there, like, wasn't, didn't trust my money or anything, yeah. so I met this hippie guy and he had a room. Just a little further down the street, and I just gave him a board for my uh, place to stay. I had, I think so I had a couple awesome. six twos. I had like two or three of those. I said, "Here, take this for rent, and I'll, you know, for the month." And he, he did it. So that was killer. That's insane. Yeah. Such a good bartering system. Like, just, yeah, you know, like, yeah. How'd you do? I think I made it to the third or fourth round. Sick. But the coolest thing for me, and minor bragging rights, and once again, this is a name from the past. But uh, I think it was the second or third round. I drew Hans Heedman. Wow. Who was like known for sunset and Holly even I was like shitting bricks like oh I'm done and it was kind of windy three or four foot day kind of messy and I actually beat him wow. and knocked him out of the event and I was freaking because I was like the waves must have been that bad that a California guy beat this guy because if it would have been like proper heaving Holly Eva, I would have been out there spinning circles not knowing where to takeoff zone was and somehow yeah. I got him in the heat so that was that was pretty big and then I think I lost the next round so yeah. and that was kind of the the bud tour like i didn't have any guidance and, and once again oceanside i was kind of on my own yeah i didn't have any none yeah, of my close friends were coming out of oceanside no there was chewy Lam- Ra- there, yeah. was, there was chewy rain and lambrizi but lambrizi was four-time bud tour champion he was off being lambrizi yeah yeah he kind of pulled taylor under i had opportunities to kind of get pulled under wings but at that point the polarity and the gravity of oceanside yeah and the hood part of oceanside was pulling me yeah you know the party and the smoke and the drinking the the, the gang activity the chicks all that stuff was pulling at me, and I look back now, and I probably could have made it a little further um, if I would have had some more guidance or accepted that guidance a little yeah. more. You yeah. know, but yeah. that's not the path that you were supposed to go. It wasn't the path, right? No, yeah. not yeah. at all. You're so, had you gone on any surf trips or anything before yeah. that? Like, yeah, just just like Max. Yeah, and then like um, Florida for nationals, stuff like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you had to travel for contests up and down the California coast, you know, yeah. Santa Cruz and back. 
and uh, and a lot of Baja. I, I, that's like still to this day, I love Baja. It's so, where I love to be. It's funny to like when you think about you, right? You're, the way you're leading your life, right? And then your mom, mm-hmm. right? The single parent, full on, yeah, working her ass off. What and you know where did she grow up? She grew up in Claremont, San Diego. Oh yeah, Claremont, Claremont. Yeah, and and really like the way that you're living and the way she's watching you, you know, grow up. Right. Like wow, like that must be so trippy for a parent to see their kids going to Hawaii to surf in a contest. Yeah, and like you know? going to travel Mexico and like and yeah. not having to worry about you or pay for you. You know what I mean financially. And yeah, like she here. always she always said that she because you know my bro, my older brother had a lot of a. Uh, drug issues, in and out of jail, you know, early on, he just had trouble with society. Yeah. He got hooked on meth. He was the one taking acid, like, in, in like, he just was like, when you're set free from your parents like that and you can do whatever you want, you, you can get, go two ways. You can go two ways. Yeah. So my brother had those issues, even though he was the first one that bodyboarded, he was the first one that skateboarded. He's an amazing musician. He's doing great now, by the way. Good. He kills it. Awesome. Um, but at that point, he was in and out of rehab and jail. My poor younger sister was kind of like, she was only 13 months younger than me, but she was getting left out because of all my brother's issue. My mom only had so much time. Yeah. And I was 14 and my mom said, you know, I never have to worry about you. I know where you're at. You take care of yourself. And I actually left the home at 14 and moved in with who I consider my dad now, this guy, Ron Gooden. Mm. And he really was the mentor that I needed that taught me how to be a man. So he helped guide me, taught me about, you know, finances and girls and all these things. And, uh, but that was the first step. My, my mom let me go at 14. Wow. Because she was going to have to move for a job and I got my sponsors down here. So I was like, you know what, mom, how about this? Ron's right there. He lives in Fire Mountain. I'm going to ask him if I could live there for the summer. And then when you come back and then it just stuck. And then I live with grandpa Ron the rest of my life. Wow. You know, and he's grandpa Ron to my kids. He's, he's, he's my, he's my real dad to me. Yeah. You know, so that, that had already happened. So then when. I went to Hawaii and told my mom I was going to drop out. It was like, Mom, we need to have dinner. And she's like, what? And I'm like, um, I talked to Grandpa, to Ron about this. And talking to you, I kind of, I'm just going to do the surf thing. And it was like, what? And I'm like, but I got this, this, and this. And she's like, well, I've never worried about you before, so go for yeah. it. Yeah. And you know? Yeah. Did you ever have a job? Yeah, I worked at, at GNS at 16 at the surf shop. Um, and then working I just kind of, yeah, work yeah. at the shop, Grom, grip tape and boards. Um, so I grip taped Alfonso Rawls, who's like a legend Oceanside skater. Yeah. I grip taped his first board. He's a yeah. a, a killer shoe designer, too. Amazing right? designer. Graphic artist. Yeah, yeah. Those, the the Michael Jackson skateboarding. And yeah, he does the Everybody Seinfeld. Skates. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Smiths with the guy doing the Smith, yeah, Brad Morrison. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's super talented. So, so yeah, he's, he's another. From, he's from Oceanside, uh, too. Born and raised. Yeah. yeah, and he was a couple years younger than us, but he was came from the wrong side of the tracks as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got one of those cheap kamikaze skateboards, like from Kmart. But he was a really good skater, and he couldn't afford a good skateboard yet. So we said, oh, we'll grip it for you. And me and my buddy, Louis Hayward, worked at the shop, too, at the time. Yeah. And uh, we gripped his board. So I, it's you always You mentioned fun. Daniel Hayward and Louis Hayward. They're yeah. the ones that started internationals. Uh, INT, yeah. INT, yeah. yeah. Soft tops, right? Yeah. yeah. So they're... Fucking... One of them rips. Danny. Yeah. Yeah. We used to call him Haywire because he just... He's the kid that you give him a football, he masters it. You give him a skateboard, he gets really good. Well, when they yeah. when they pumped, you know, started that brand, it was like, hey, we want regular rail foils. We want the hard. We want the, yeah. like, fins. Yeah. That, you know, can, like, FCS. What like, Catch Surf does like, now is because of INT. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know? they, yeah. They were on, like, hey, I want a, a functional, not just to go straight, like, cruiser board. Like, they were making good boards. Yeah. yeah. I remember I was in Cabo surfing Los Cerritos. 
and he happened to be out there, and the fucking guy was like, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, ripping. He was ripping, and I can't remember if he was on a softboard or not, but... He was on yeah. he was on an early firewire one of Kelly's personal boards that trip because I was with him on that trip when Chewy was first doing them when Nev was making them. And that it board might have been like a SEMA trip, huh? It was a SEMA trip yeah. because we used to do the camp out for Transworld, yeah. which I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah. Um but yeah, Danny, the second year on the Bud Tour, GNS sponsored him. We started traveling together because okay. you know he's like a little brother to me. And I remember he took out Aki at C pumping C Street. Wow. Like no smoked way. him. And I was like, yeah, that's my dog. <laughs> like, I was like, you just, the whole trip, I like the way home, I'm like, dude, you smoked Aki in the heat straight up. He's like, oh, and he's super humble. No, we call him straight up because he always yeah. goes straight up, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, straight up. You went straight up about six times in his face, dude. You took him out. So shout out to Danny and, and Louis. Louis, like yeah. their family, and Louis a great idea guy. Yeah. Um, so cool. Yeah. So is that, is INT still going or? It's been bought and sold. Okay. Yeah. Great idea guy, maybe back into the business got a little tricky, yeah, you know, yeah. and had to make some choices. Happens. But yeah, give him the Happens. credit for the idea. And like I said, there's a whole industry basically. Because of them. Because Spawn. of them. Yeah. 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 So. so, so how's the pro career? Like short lived. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you had the Bud Tour, which, you know, kind of that's what Lambert, like, a lot of guys, you yeah, know, they just did the butt tour, yeah, and they're able to make a successful living and not do a you know a crazy amount. Maybe do a couple events around, but it gave those you know yeah. Americans with, like a, an opportunity to make some some good money. Because yeah. during that time, you had I think it's the same age, Dino Andino, yep. Shane Bashan, yep. Jeff Booth. Yeah, I mean the the. The Bud Tour was fucking gnarly. Yeah. Like the best I ever did was the heat to get into the main main round, like the main event, like quarters or better. And it was at Ocean Beach and it was pretty big and pumping and I was feeling good because I served beach break and Beshin just smoked me. Yeah. I was like, oh, I drew Beshin. Chris Sick. Brown. Brown, yeah. Brown Chris House, Brown. Yeah. yeah. Brown. Yeah. Um, John Parmenter and Johnny Boy and Liam McNamara, all those Hawaiian guys, Larry Rios, they were all doing them too. Yeah. So back then it was almost two. They were like... And, and I know Potts talks a lot about this. It was like, it wasn't just surfing. It was your life because like you could get smacked down and they'd say things in your heat. Like you never come to Hawaii, bro. Yeah. You know, and you'd be like, fuck, do I want to <laughs> like, especially like the sunnies, they'd come surf some of them. Yeah. So it, the, yeah. there's intimidation. Yeah. Practice, you don't right? fucking paddle for a wave. I'm paddling for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. If yeah. I look at a wave, you don't look at a wave. Yeah. yeah. That's and I, so funny. And honestly, at that time, you know, I was in, in my early, you know, late teens to early twenties. I was spending so much time traveling, but most of the time in between my heats, I was skateboarding because I had friends up in Santa Cruz and there's a lot of skateboarding scene in SF and Santa Cruz. Yeah. So I'd surf my heat and then go skate the mini ramp all day. Yeah. And you know, my, my focus was lost. And that was when I really started getting involved more in the industry side of skateboarding. And uh, I think I was maybe done by like 92. I was done. I think I did it for like three years. And I was like, I'm making third or fourth rounds on average. I'm not really mentally into it and I was like I'm gonna go get do the next thing yeah, yeah get a job and and what 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 up what were you looking to do so pre that I actually was a chef at a place called Jay's Gourmet because the owner surfed and he pulled me under his wing taught me how to cook all Italian meals pizzas lasagnas um, seafood pescatores and all that wait, and then he would let wait. me bail what yeah he, he took you under his wing and started teaching you how to cook. yeah so I was so I became his his uh his kitchen manager and head chef in the three years I was doing the bud tour I did that on the side so, but the cool thing was like... How fucking rad is that? Yeah. He yeah. wanted... Once he started learning to surf, he took me on, on a trip to Porto, paid for everything. He almost died out there. I told oh him, you got to go in. It's getting big. 
So he learned wet. while you were... While he was teaching me to cook, he was learning to surf. Yeah, Jay, Jay's Gourmet. Really Persian guy, really talented chef. But uh, And that's right next door to Wits Causeway Pipelines. And it was like... What was the restaurant called? Jay's Gourmet Seafood oh, wow. and Pasta. So worked my way from like a peel and shrimp all the way up to running the tickets, which means you're the maestro. You're at the front and you're making the, sure the saute guy and the oven guy and the whole order comes out together. You're finishing the order and going. But and to do that, you have to know every skill set well. So so you went from working the shop, GNS, yeah, and then kind of just being Odd a jobs, surfer. working with my pops a little bit in his okay. business. Kind of random jobs. Yeah. And then that was my first real like, you have an employer. You have to be on time. Yeah, there's a real job. Was Chase Gourmet? Mom and pop like own restaurants. So yeah. I mean, that's a seven day a week like gig. You, you know, yeah. you need to find yeah some solid backup to to have a successful restaurant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that and it was like the hottest restaurant. Like everyone was coming in, and because I was from there, I knew a lot of the guys. They were stoked I was cooking the food, and then you know, sales reps would come in and wit would go to lunch, and they'd be like, "Stone's back there," you know. Um, so it was cool, and then. Uh, my first industry job was track top. So I had surfed for track top. And when I left the tour, Gary Ward at the time said, Hey, why don't you come TM and just work one Friday a week and you just ship packages, call the boys, make sure they got what they need and do that. So where I, was their uh, office in Oceanside? Oh, wow. Right across from Transworld in the Valley it, because they were uh, at that point, JK and Gary had sold it to BZ Corporation mm-hmm. who owned busy, BZ Bodyboards, yep. yeah. which was formed in Oceanside. JK had cashed out and uh, and Gary Ward was running the show and he said, come in and be the TM. So I started doing that and we had a sick team. We had Conan Hayes, uh, Shane Dorian. We had uh, uh, young Timmy Reyes. Yeah. So we were feeling it and it was like, that's kind of why I'm doing low tide now. It's kind of yeah. full circle. So I was doing that one day a week and then... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This story's kind of... How did you know Gary? Just surfing? Just from surfing. I had yeah. ridden for track top. Okay. That was like who I used to get my traction from. So I did do do what you're doing. Just come in one day a week and yeah, come in one day a week. And then I won't say a name, but there's another surfer that was on the bud tour at the time. That was a sales rep. And he was in the office about six months in kind of a heated discussion with Gary with the door shut. There's a little window. I was like, Oh, something's going down, you know, I'm packing boxes and Gary buzzed me. He's like, Hey Jamie, come come into the office. And I come in the office and I go, what's up? Because there was another guy there. I'm not going to say his name to protect him, but the guy was kind of a weasel. And was trying to steal my job and he goes he goes he goes so tell me what you were tell jamie what you were telling me wow and the guy's like well you know um you know no offense dude but like i'm already on the road doing the southern california sales rep like i know the shops and, and dude you're kind of skating more and smoking weed and doing this and that so i was telling gary why don't i just do the team too and gary goes gary goes what do you think about today and i go oh, it kind of sucks but if that's the path you guys want to go on i get it you know yeah and he goes to this guy he goes well i'll tell you what you're fired he's all jamie you now have Southern California as a sales rep. <laughs> I couldn't freaking, it was like 30 grand a year too. I like, it was like yeah. big time bucks for me back then. Fucking shout out Gary Ward. Gary Ward, one of my yeah. mentors. I love you, Gary. Oh. Um, and yeah. I'll, I'll say it, won't say the name of that person at the time. So basically Gary goes, I got this plan device. We got the company van and Gary Ward. Yeah. Yeah. And dude, that's fucking legit. That he, is legit. Right yeah. There. And he's so smart. He goes, he goes, Jamie, he goes, this is what you do. Monday, you're going to come in, get your office and team stuff done, get organized. Tuesday, van goes San Diego South. Wednesday goes... Yeah, fill the thing up. Wednesday, follow up. Thursday, Orange County to Oceanside. Friday, wrap it up, get ready for the next week. Max Lambert, get ready. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, (laughs) new guy, let's go. Yeah. Um, But that was when I learned about count and fill and like... 
shop relationships from yeah. a sales level. Yeah. And so you were a rep. Yeah. And because the other guy was already, you know, lazy rep syndrome or whatever, yeah. I came in and kind of like doubled the sale just because I was like, you only need two leashes, boom. You know, and then it's six leashes. And I just was filling, filling, filling. Yeah. And Chad Navarro at the time was the O&E rep. Awesome. And I'd see him everywhere and he'd like be slanging his stuff. I'd be slanging mine. And uh, I also met another good friend of mine, uh, Brandon Lillard, who's a really close yeah, buddy of mine. Yeah, he's, he's rad. One of the one of the good ones for sure. And uh, he was at Mitch's slanging blanks back then. So that was, I did that for a little while. And then uh, I had my first kid, my son Braden. And it was like, whoa, this is like not enough money. And uh, Vinny was looking for a marketing guy. So I ended up uh, getting the job doing surf and skate marketing for Vinny. And that was when you were four star jeans. Remember all this, all that stuff. That's when I really met Laura, yeah, you know, yeah. on another level. And so then that was my first skate centric job. So, so when, uh, when Vinny said, Hey, we're going to put Jay Larson on, you said, you're the team manager. Yeah. Right? And you're like, fuck no, he's not worth that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Lar was actually already on the program. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I don't know what he gets. Because at that point, he wasn't, I was so fresh. I was more just package team phone calls. Vinny yeah. was handling the, yeah. the, the financial part. Yeah. And it was the first ad, I think, when I was there was the stack of jeans on the thing you yeah, know yeah and i was trying like, to be all gq yeah yeah Laura. but that was the vibe Vinny was going after you yeah. know yeah. genius and, yeah and they were about to launch a shoe company castell yeah and that's really where i concentrated building that team and using my skate relationships nice so that was where it all kind of fused together so shout out to Vinny. um yeah they, i mean they had so you left a crazy Jack umbrella Tom to work for Vinny. for Vinny. okay yeah and 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 like you said ezekiel was was blowing up. They they started getting the skate shoes. Yeah. They started getting in the outerwear for snow. They yeah. had like well, you know. it's like one of those original companies that started creating companies within itself. Yeah, you know, like skate sh skate brands were doing that back in the day. Oh, that was I mean, world industry changed the game with that, right? Yeah. Rocco created that, you know. But you know, we, we we had Vinny on and we talked about how fucking genius Ezekiel Sparing Blonde. Yeah. yeah. Oh, in the snow world, he had two of the dopest brands. Oh my god! And then he went for the shoe thing, you know. And then yeah. And those like even like the 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 snow, the um, outerwear was amazing. Yeah. But he created such a rad steezy vibe with spare and blonde. Yeah. Or people were buying the t-shirts just because they were sick. Yeah. The blonde t-shirts. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. And he had. Um, the whole Calvary Chapel part of Orange County. Yeah. So he had a lot of his fellowship that like bled the brand. Yeah. You know, his church guys would come in and buy a couple grand worth of clothes yeah. once a week because they just supported Vinny and yeah. and the brand was dope too. Like yeah. he was really doing Killer some dope stuff. Out of the Bible, yeah. 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 You know? So yeah. full yeah. Vinny. And, full yeah. Vinny. And yeah. you know, kind of took that Stussy esque like kind of look and more more a little bit more fashion, a little bit more steezy and just like yeah. Yeah. you know, surf board shorts and yeah, the clothes. The the and the ads everything. the magazine ads were like yeah legit yeah, yeah. when he like, when he different was, from everybody else yeah I was riding Quicksilver and maybe getting one ad a year I remember and, yeah and he's like look we we got like six or eight ads you know that are that are yours because I was like the only guy a couple yeah. other people would yeah share but but Vinny was smart like that he's like I'm putting my, I'm putting my money on Lar yeah and I'm gonna promote Lar and we're gonna do it together yeah you know because he came from that side too with Gotcha where he was. Yeah, you know, he had to get in line with all those legends there too. You know, so I think Vinny understood that and understood that you could make the brand shine 
with a rad rider, but it doesn't necessarily have to be Tom Curran. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could build someone with their career. Yeah. Because yeah. God knows that late night was not Tom Curran. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wanted to be Tom Curran. Yeah. Everyone wanted to be Tom Curran. So, so, so that was your second job in the industry. Second job in the industry. Really, I consider that like track top was in the industry, but it was a small accessory. I was road repping. Ezekiel was more like, now I have clay. Yeah. Like he's like, we're launching this shoe company. Here's what we have on the team. Who else do we need to accentuate it? What do you think of these guys that are currently on the Ezekiel program? Yeah. Vinny still de facto had the surf program under control. Yeah. I mean, I helped out with it, but it was really just Lar at that point. Yeah. And then we actually brought on Chris Cote later. Yeah. And I actually put Chris Cote on the team because we had a team tryout. And Vinny said, you got to see this kid from Lucadia. And, um, I had my skateboard and, and Chris was in the car at Trestles where the trout was. He goes, oh, you skated? I go, yeah, I go grab that thing. And he did a perfect kickflip. And right then I go, you're on the team. And he's like, what? <laughs> you don't do the surf any heat right now. Don't worry about it. You know? And I put Cote yeah. on just for a kickflip. That's And uh, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. So awesome. And of course, he showed up wearing XYZ jeans. He wasn't wearing any Ezekiel gear because he was already on flow. Yeah. So I always had to be like, Dude, you showed yeah. up without even rocking our gear, but I'm still putting you on. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. How yeah. funny. Yeah. So, so epic. Yeah. So were you responsible to put the skate team together for yeah, Castell? Like, like, yeah, for Castell, they had already had um, their two main hitters, Rob. Uh, um, why am I drawing a blank right now? He's my boy. Reg, uh, 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 Bertino. Um, Ronnie Bertino right. and Alfonso. And Alfonso, and Alfonso was, was like already my dog. He's like a little yeah. brother to me. So that was Otto. And then they're like, we need East Coast. So I said, they said, give me just your wish list. Don't worry about money. Just pretend like it's going to go. And at the time, there was this guy, Ricky Oyola. Yeah. And he's like the king of the streets in Philly. Hated California. Hated like anything mainstream. Yeah. He, and, he's a uh, the epitome of like the, the skateboarder 90s. East Coast, stereotype. straight up. Yeah. 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 You're a skateboarder or not. Like yeah. kind of thing. And so my first call at that job was to him. I said, if you want me to go for it, I want to get Rick Oyola at the time. He had two video parts came out that were just raw. Dan Wolf was kind of like a uh, Taylor Steele at the time and he was in his crew and um, he was on Zoo York, which was huge over there. Yeah. So I said, hey Rick, come out to California and uh, and you know, we want to talk about doing a shoe with you. And he's like, oh, he's a killy Cali. He's like, you take me to the same handrail everyone skated, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Why don't you come out here? And I said, Rick, I go, listen, we're going to send you a ticket. I go, you don't know me from Adam. I go, I promise you, I'm going to take you to something that you've never skated before because Philly's all real raw street marble. Yeah. So I pick him up. I had this huge station wagon, this old beat up station wagon at the time. It was so hoopty. And uh, I picked him up and I took him out to a backyard pool in Escondido. And he had never seen a backyard California pool. Wow. So he was like, whoa, like you didn't take me to San Diego handrail yeah. or like the, the HB ledge or something yeah. that everyone was played out because he was all about raw things. And he did front side, backside grinds, never skated a pool. And it was a gnarly pool. He never skated a pool? No, because he was in Philly. He's from the yeah. streets, man. Yeah. Like, there's not, it's like. But he was able to do it. But he, but he got in there and learned a couple tricks, took him back to my house. He was a huge stoner, smoked a bunch of weed with him, <laughs> um, you know, sent him back home after we talked about shoes and. Kept on him a couple weeks later. He's like, let's do it. That's and we awesome. forged a friendship. Then I'd go out to Philly and I was like the California kid out then. And his thing was he would push everywhere. He hated in California. Everyone drove to spots. That was yeah. his thing because where he lived in Philly. So tight. He'd skate like 20 mile radius every day. And the spots were along the way. That's what made him rad. Yeah. So he didn't go to a spot to skate the spot. He skated the spot as it came yeah. to him. And uh, Full destination like 
here where there's so much dirt between stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he was our third signature guy, which was huge um, because we got the East Coast guy that was like this outspoken, hated California skate scene, yeah. and we got him. And then we also got another guy, Steve Olson, which was on shorties at the time. Out of his mind. I love Steve Olson. Completely out of his mind, though. Into crop circles and crazy auras. At the time, the guy was making like 20 grand a month. He had like yeah. his shorties video just come out. He'd have like... And this isn't Steve Olson. Not the OG. Yeah. The other crazy yeah. Mike Steve Olson. Muska Steve Olson. Yeah. Him and Muska were the only guys with pro boards on shorty. And we got him, but he designed the craziest shoe and we went for it. We should have probably pulled back on his designs. Yeah. But that was the team. We had four guys. We had a crazy shorties young kid from Tacoma, Washington, Steve Olson. We had East Coast Rick Oyola. Then we had Ronnie Bertino and Alfonso, the two legends yeah. from Cali. And I remember yeah. when we first got those shoes at HSS, I was like, holy shit, what's this, you know? Yeah, yeah I remember stuff. going to the Zika office and they're like, yeah, check out these shoes. And they had like, you know, yeah. they just, they were bursting at the seams when they started bringing, you know, outerwear would show up and be like, what the, the, the shoe boxes insane. in the yeah. back. I'm like, what the fuck? So I was stoked because I was getting all kinds of stuff. Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, I'm going snowboarding too. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So what? Um, how long were you there for? I was there about three years. And then, you know, my kid was getting older and getting into school. And um, I was traveling so much because I was with the skate team a lot. Sweden, Europe, you know, then on the surf trips, whatever. We were traveling a lot. And my kid was getting the age where I didn't want to miss that. Yeah. And Charlie Anderson was actually at Transworld at the time. And I just was having a conversation with him. I was like, yo, man, you know, I've been at... Ezekiel, three years. Vinny's been great. I got the company car, this, that, whatever I go, but I need to make more money, you know, and marketing, there's kind of a ceiling at that time You where sales, you know, yeah. hustle, you make it, right? And he goes, he goes, dude, it's funny you say that. He goes, I know you're not a snowboarder. He goes, but my main snowboarder rep just left. He's like, I'm going to get you an interview. And uh, he goes, so I go, okay, that sounds great. So what was he doing there? He was a snow sales manager at the time. So yeah, Charlie was as, was huge in snow. That's how he kind of got into the industry. Mm -hmm. Great snowboarder, always a good surfer and skateboarder too. But snow was where he entered the market. Mm -hmm. um, so at that time, he was sales manager, and that was when the snowboard mag was like five hundred pages thick. It was a book. Transworld skate was thick. It was like you know, what's this? Uh, ninety nine because I was at Ezekiel. I think from ninety five to ninety nine, or the or ninety six to ninety nine. Three about three and a half four years. So uh, so yeah. So he goes okay. I told the guys about you. They're stoked. Mahaley knows who you are, who was the publisher of Transworld Skate at the time. Charlie uh, was like, dude, I'm going to get you in, but here's the deal. Since you're my best bud, I don't get to interview you. You have to interview with my bosses. So I went in and interviewed with Tim Risley and Fran Richards, and they just talked to me about sales. I told them I hadn't really done a lot except for like track top, but I'm eager to learn. I knew I had no computer skills. I was still writing stuff down on paper and getting order entry at, at uh, you know, like, literally like yellow pink white copies for team stuff yeah, Ezekiel, triple kill. you know i had a roll one of those rolodexes with names and that was about as tech as i was <laughs> so he's like don't worry about that um you know sales either you got it or you don't and uh and i had to interview three or four times because i was charlie's buddy and they plugged me in and i got a sales position at transworld and i actually had amazing accounts yeah they and gave so, you like here here's like the here's the, ex, the guy that bailed he went to bali and decided he wasn't coming back <laughs> And thought his job was going to be there. And Charlie's like, you're out, dude. Like, I got to sell. Yeah. So I came in under Charlie. And Charlie taught me a lot about magazine sales. Taught me how to, you know, do the order entry and all that. And we just started going. And uh, was they, it pretty... It was lucrative. Lucrative. Okay. Like, I... Was the, it salary and commission? Salary and commission. And back then, they really backloaded the commission. And the salary was like, you know, better than what I was making at Ezekiel already. But the chunk, the came nugget was the commission. You know, the back end. And... Um, 
the first year, I just had this banner year because at the same time, and you say snowboarding. I'm selling snow, but at Transworld, we sold, this is pre-surf, we sold, I was primarily the snow rep. So most of my accounts were based in snow, but they quickly realized I had relationships with all the skate brands. So any brand that Mahaley didn't want, he would give me. So like, for instance, he gave me Osiris because he wasn't really feeling Osiris at the time because he was so locked in with DC. And that was the year the storm came out and I ended up doing almost a million bucks in sales with just Osiris. Wow. So I kind of... What did you say? The year the storm came The storm out? was the big Osiris video. Okay. That was with Brandon Turner and all those guys. It was yeah. like a huge thing. They had like, they had grown like four brands. Like you said, it was the internal brand. Yeah. They started LNX clothing. They had like, they just, the they went from like a $100,000 account to almost a million dollar account in my lap. And I knew Mag and those guys. So they were just pouring. They, this was back when selling Tony, pages. Tony Magnus and, yeah. yeah. But back then at Transworld, these were the golden era and it'll never go back to that. Selling was like this. You already do your spread, Ruka. Yeah. And then you call me and they go, we're going to launch a new signature model for, for uh, whoever. We want to do four consecutive pages. Boom. Done. You just yeah. doubled that thing at each issue. Some people were doing like up to six pages. So when so Osiris crazy. was doing the storm, they were taking like six pages of skate. Then I had Volcom Snow. I had all these that, accounts that were... That was like the, the ASR when it's like, how big is their booth? We're yeah. going bigger yeah, next exactly. year. How, big, how many pages is that? Yeah, how many are they doing? We're going to do front, more. back, and center spread. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this is pre the surf mag. We had Warp, uh, Snowboard Life, Transworld Warp. Snowboarding, and Transworld Skate. And Warp, we, we, Warp was like a... All the things together. Bag. It was ahead of its yeah. time, yeah. yeah. That it, was a sick mag. It was. And we talked to uh, Chad D, Danina. And, Danina. And yeah. he was the same, like came in. Charlie know. took his spot <laughs> yeah. when he went to start Nixon. Like he kind of came in. That's how it all works. He, he worked for Chad and then Chad, yeah. But he, but he was yeah. talking about like, yeah, I got, I got the gig, you know, because I knew. And then just started off and had a banger year. It yeah. was like that late 90s where... Yeah. yeah, it was blowing up. New brands were blowing up. Blowing up, up yeah. and you could do it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I basically broke all the sales records. And the next season, they changed the commission. But I remember I had never made that much money a year. And me and my wife and Charlie and his wife were at the mall. And there was this, like, really expensive watch. And I was just kind of eyeballing it. And Charlie's like, dude, you just made, I'm not going to say the amount I made. He's like, dude, buy it right now. We were going to the mall to go see a movie. And I was like, oh, we went and ate dinner. Charlie's like, dude, go get that fucking watch, dude. You deserve it. And I remember I bought the Citizen Eco Timer watch and it was like, I never spent like 800 bucks or whatever it was on a watch. And yeah. I just went and bought it. And I walked out of Robinson's Mayor wherever we bought it. And I was like, <laughs> Ball you know what time it is? Yeah, yeah. It's book life. Life. Someone asked me what time it is. It's go time, player. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, so that was a big defining moment. So, uh, How, so yeah. reward yourself. Yeah. And that was the beginning. And then eventually, because snow wasn't my favorite thing, I moved over to skate. Dennis said the same thing, right? Didn't he buy yeah. himself a watch? Yeah, that was a deal. I, that I was think, your bling bling. That yeah. was your that was your like your MBA ring, you know. Yeah. And Danana started off as a receptionist at Transworld, as well as Sal Masakela. So Transworld was like R one industry, a lot like Quicksilver was here. Yeah. yeah. Like a lot of people came through there, Woolies, the Gomez's. Yeah. yeah. From the warehouse all the way up. Transworld started in 1983 in Oceanside, so it was our one thing that was like Transworld, like fucking yeah. ah. So wow. to work there, there okay. was that sense of pride too, and uh, that was the next, you know. That's when it all started as far as being the magazine guy and working my way up from sales guy to sales manager to eventually publisher of Transworld Skate. Yeah, it's a, just a bigger slice of the pie, like a surf shop, you know, just is, you know, you're, you're working the surf shop, taking care of that, and then you get an industry gig like that, and it's like, now you're in the majors. Like, yeah. That's the major league right there. Yeah, Charlie called me up, big buddy Charlie, I can't forget that. So yeah, 
it was uh, it was pretty amazing. And from there, it was like that's when I realized dropping out of high school was all good because I started joking that my college was growing up surfing contests because all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're going to give you the Volcom count. I'm like, oh, Troy Eckert, Wooly for sure. Call them up. They're like, Stone, you're over there. Sick. We're stoked to have you. What do you want? And then, you know, I had at one point I had switched and I had like Billabong, Ruka when they started from because Conan from Track Top. Yeah. I had Billabong. I had like every crazy account. Yeah. And it was almost like a monopoly. And then they started making me peel a couple of them off as we got, as I got up into management. But it was just insane. Yeah. And then I'm also learning so much about how brands work from the inside out. Oh, I see how they plan that out. Whoa. You know, and that yeah. was when the absorption, you know, because really... Product release or pr promoting, you know, like, yeah, uh, who who they're gonna push, what, how they're gonna push. Incredible it. way to learn a career, yeah, by just living through it. You know what I mean? I mean, that's one hundred percent. Yeah, like, the because you know you're a good dude. You're a funny dude. You you're an an authentic dude, Thank right? You. And that's what helped you become who you are, is because yeah, you're a fucking skateboarder. And right. yeah, you're a fucking surfer. You you want to surf like pots and hit the lip as hard as you can and go as fast as you can. That's it, yeah. But you're a cool dude and you've got enough street smarts to get you into that position. And then all those dudes that you surfed against or skated with... Started these brands. Started these brands <laughs> and they're like, buck life? Yeah, let's yeah, go. We're, we're, we're being a... I spoke weed with that guy. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah when, when being a surfer and a skater wasn't cool or, yeah. you know, yeah. didn't really kind of was accepted and then look how it pays off down yeah. the line. Yeah. yeah. And and the advantage for me really came into play of rolling deep in skateboarding and surfing because I'd go into Ruka's office, for example, and PM Tenor would be taking me around. He's like, you know, Coney, you know, he's like, how much you know about skate? Because he didn't know I skated. He's like, this is Jimmy Origi. I'm like, what's up, Jimmy? He's like, yeah. Stone, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, this is my account. And I was like, dude, let's go skate the bowl. You know, and they knew that I actually could get down. Yeah. yeah. So I got that cred from the Jamie Thomas to the Tommy Curran, yeah. right? And that was like, I think my gift doing both was that I could roll deep in both, Yeah, you know, and be respected at a level where I did it decent enough and knew enough about it to where it wasn't like, oh, this buster's coming in. Yeah. He's a surfer trying to sell me skate or vice versa, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And that's it, man. I, again, you carved your own path, but it, it, it paid dividend down the line when it wasn't like, you know, you're trying to keep them both separate. Like I got my surfer crew on the weekend, the contest, but I hang with my homies over here during the week. Like you're just living life as a Grom and then here you are as an adult making money in a professional career yeah. and you're doing the same thing but being paid. Total comedy because I wish I could say somehow it was premeditated, Yeah. but not at all. I just love doing both things. And even now with my son, when he was coming into his own and I was having some trouble with him with school and stuff, he's like, but look what you did. And I'm like, no, 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 yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't understand. This is was a golden era. It happened very naturally and luckily. This is a one in a million. It doesn't happen like yeah. this. I'm smart enough to know that. Yeah. There's yeah. no magazines, you know? kid. But dad, but dad. <laughs> There's no magazines, like that. kid. Yeah, yeah. He got, he got a little dose of reality, though, at the end of Trans World when it all, when media kind of fell apart. And it was like, how do you rebuild yourself? Then he started to see, oh, you know, you do have to kind of have a plan. Yeah. You yeah. know, so, yeah. That's tough. So <laughs> crazy. So yeah. how long was that run? Um, gosh, Transworld, I think it was 11 or 12 years. Damn. We awesome. started, we started Transworld Surf there. I saw, you know, the business get bought and sold by corporate four times. I saw the internet become, you know, a big part of it. Lee Crane was always telling us it was the future and we're like, ah, pages, pages. And then we watched the tide slowly turn. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good run and it was a magic time. I think 
all of us that live in this era, yeah. you with the shop. I mean, I remember coming to see you with HSNS where you guys are doing the juice bar and all that. JLR's career transferring over to becoming a rep. I don't know if those opportunities still exist that way for the next generation no. in our industry. I don't think they do. No. There's other ones. There's definitely other opportunities, but those, that was a different era, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, there's not brands exploding. There's not money. You know, it just is different, you know? Yeah. Like, there is still. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the surf culture, you know, we talk about how we grew up in the surf shop, you grew up, we, you know, yeah. and how important that was just to be able to get, like, be on the, the flow team. Like, yeah, the rep came through, he hooked, it was me, huge. hooked yeah. me up, and then, you know, that led to this, and uh, there was just this kind of, like, pathway that was kind of ha- happening all over. Like, that was the protocol. Like, hey, you're the rep. You know, go take care of the shop, find the, the best local surfer. Yeah, he might, you know, end up being a pro- professional, but let's go, you know, the seating. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty, pretty special in the way they did it. And now, you know, there's a full disconnect, you know, and, and, and it's yeah. just not the same. Like the companies spend their money in other ways that, you know, have a return on investment. Yeah. And, you know, it's just different, you know. Yeah. And it's kind of a bummer because, you know, these 11, kids. 11 years is a good long yeah, it was long. My wife says maybe two years too long. She, you know, when it all went down, she's like, maybe you got complacent. And really what had happened was I cared so much about the brand that I had no control over because I remember when they started in 1983, I remember digging through the tracker dumpster to get trucks, you know, and I was always saying, hey, there's two magazines, there's Thrasher and there's Transworld. And even though we're the corporate one taking all these marine ads, all you guys care about is this maximum growth. But what about the brand longevity and what it means? What the voices that we've put out mean? And I think I became the thorn in the side at some point. Yeah. And it was like, okay, this guy's making a ton of money. He's not happy. Yeah. It's time to move on, you know? Yeah. And that was the complacency. And, uh, but that's it, what happens in corporate, though. You know, it's, you lose that authenticity. You, you get a new you boss every two years. It's, yeah. yeah. Everybody's about, the, the number, it's like yeah. we're about building the brand. Like, we're a legacy. We're like, you know, we're a heritage, like, mag. Like, you yeah. know, you guys have put it's, in the time. You have great content. Everybody that worked happens, for it came within. Yeah, It happens you know? with every industry. For sure. The consolidation and the... Consolidation, but also, like, the, the missteps of putting somebody in power that, you know, you think is the right call, but then in hindsight... It was the worst call, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like, it sucks because, you know, there's different issues or factors or economy, whatever, where the people that really care about it, they get pushed out. Yeah. You know, you were the thorn in the side. Right. And you eventually got pushed out. But that's the wrong call. Like, make, make it, you know, it, you have to have like, Somebody from authenticity, authenticity to matters. help guide the decisions of well, the company. It's a, a real everything. But they always want to, yeah. You know that too. The corporate yeah. world, they they think, well, this guy did it here. If they can't see it on a spreadsheet, they don't see it. Yeah, you know, they, this guy did it here, and oh, he'd be perfect for this, but he has no idea what. Yeah, he's got the degree the and he's got the spreadsheet skills, yeah. but does he know the culture? And out of the four bosses, when we went corporate, one of them understood that, but he only lasted a year because he was a guy that would come in, get the business where it needed to be and go kind of a corporate raider. Great guy. Like one of the, his name was Jeff Griffin. And out of all the turnover, he was the one guy they put at the wheel that I really liked. Um, But the other thing about that is this is why 
we don't have the culture we have because they only cared about the numbers and they forgot about the personalities. Yeah. You know, like I said, Nick Carroll, Derek Hine, Jake Phelps, Dave Swift, Grant Britton, all these photographers and writers help guide the industry. Yeah. Flame, I mean, without Flame, where would you be? Yeah. You know, he's like, sure. this guy has something, I'm gonna shoot him, I'm putting him on the light table, we're gonna write about him. Yeah. And it kind of levels the playing field. It's way cooler, say I, say I was skating a pool before I came here and I did a trick I hadn't done. And I come in here, I'm like, boys, I was fucking ripping, I just did a layback Smith grind, you should've seen it. Or if I come in here with my friend and I go to the bathroom, he's like, dude, Jamie just did the sickest layback Smith grind. The weight of the third party telling it's rad yeah. weighs so much more. So when yeah. an editor or photographer chooses to, to showcase that person, you're now creating the culture and the energy to follow. Yeah. And that's what I feel. It's validated. That's what magazines and what we lost when we lose publications like Surfer, Surfing, and Transworld. Yeah. And that's why, along with trade shows and a couple other things, it's diluted now. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I'm so stoked guys like you are doing this podcast to hold on to that culture. This is so important. Yeah. You know, also the West Coast board riders, what they're doing uh, with the so finally incredible. having a board riders club. It's yeah. amazing to go to a contest and see the Vinnies and the Archies and the Dinos and the, you know, Trevor Chris, for God's sakes. Like, guys, you haven't seen forever. There's so much a part of the history. Yeah. Now there's a gathering point. So those chess passes in our industry are lost. And those yeah. are, I don't know if we can ever get them back because yeah. everyone's so busy posting their own stuff on Instagram. We're all guilty of it. Yeah. Now we self-promote, but yeah. it's better to have sign-off. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you could be really good doing being a self-promoter through your your electronics or whatever. But like like you mentioned, like the relationships and like having to go in and, you know, for, and I talked about this, being a pro surfer is like, yeah, you got your advertisers, you got your, your brands, you know, putting you, you know, putting money into the magazine. So yeah, there's, you got weight there. But Go in and have to like schedule a meeting or, you know, like with the, the editor, like Flame. Hey, yeah. Flame, kind of come by and check out photos and, you know, that networking at an early age. And it's a hustle. Like, yeah. you know, trying to talk to a photographer. Like, yeah. hey, where are you going to be at this swell or and vice versa? And they reach out. But, you know, this is pre, yeah. you know. Yeah. Your home you, break's pumping, you're, but you're going to go surf Creek with Flame. You're putting, you know what I mean? Yeah. You just kind of, like, you know, you put feelers out there and they say, you know, hey, I'm going to be at one of these spots. Yeah, you know, like you just had to you your had re- to charge it. Your real life, initiative. your real life experiences are what guided you in the career and helped you for sure. Your career. Yeah, yeah. But um, so going back to Transworld, you you eleven years were there eleven years eleven years and then and then, and then what happened? Then uh, you know, uh, somewhat mutually, but I got the got the call that my services were no longer rendered. Kind of was a little bit of a baby about it because I bled it so much. Like I look back at that as a huge learning lesson. I could have, I, I kind of read that in the riot act and let people know that it was kind of a fucked up situation. Yeah. And they lost some revenue from it for sure. But the writing was on the wall at that point where media was going. It was going digital. Yeah. I was a little blind to that. I knew the internet was important, but it just was, it was changing. Once again, my wife calls it complacency. It was time to move on. So yeah. hindsight, you know, was great. So at that same time, um, Charlie and I, we're like, hey, let's start this restaurant. We always had this dream of doing a restaurant together. And uh, Chewy's brother, Hector, his older brother actually, was a cook. So we three got together and started the privateer. So I was doing that and I didn't know what the heck was gonna happen. And at the same time, I had already been a, a sweat equity shareholder in Brixton from the beginning, which we didn't really talk about that. Yeah. 
but I didn't know I had my severance. I didn't know what was going to happen. And that was when I got the call from David and he's like, dude, we did it. We finally sold. You're getting a big check. And so, that was, that was like, once again, like not preemptive. Something was looking after me because yeah. right when I needed it, it seemed to happen. Yeah. And, so going back to Brixton, which is a, a really amazing brand born out of trans world too, right? Yes. So tell us about like who was. So, uh, so the Stoddard family is a family from Oceanside. There's an older brother, Ted, that's my age. Big, friendly guy, but a big, tough guy. You know, you didn't want to mess with him in the water. A third brother? A third brother, the okay. older brother. He's my age. Dave and Pete are twins mm -hmm. that are four or five years younger than me. I'd see them out in the water skating the local ditches and stuff. They, were, they worked at this little silkscreen shop by Transworld. Dave wanted to get in at Transworld, and he got a job in the warehouse. So he was working in the warehouse with Jason Hodges, a couple other Oceanside legends. And he was always asking me about sales, always asking me about sales. So eventually Charlie and I said, if you want to do it, let's do this. And we said, you don't have a job yet, but pay your own way to the trans world snowboarding convention. And we'll see how you do. We'll introduce you to people. We'll, you know, pay it for, we'll teach you kind of the ropes. He did good there. So we hired him. So come to SIA. Yeah. No, not SIA, the actual snowboard convention. Okay. Remember when we used to have everyone come together at like Banff or Alaska okay. and do like a little four day jam and yeah. like have little kind of like, kind of like a SEMA thing, but for snow. Okay. So he, he paid his own way. He came, I think it was Alaska. Maybe we went to that year, or Colorado and we introduced him, shook hands, make babies. He became a junior rep for us and quickly he had the spark. He was doing great in sales. He had the suit and style. The chicks dug him. Guys wanted to be like him, right? Yeah. And he was always like, Jamie, I want to start a brand. I want to start a brand. As a, When he was like 14, 15, he tried to do like some local stuff because he was a silk screener. Never really hit. So him and this guy, Jason Young, who worked in the product sales at Transworld and the guy that managed the product sales, Michael Chapin, guy from LA, has nothing to do with action sports. He surfed, but he's not like a dude that comes from the cloth. Business guy. Yeah. Um, him and Jason were in Europe, and I get this call, weird Euro ring, you know? And it's Davey's all, I got it, Jamie. I'm like, what? He's like, the name of the company I want to do. I'm like, all right, let's hear it, because he was always running names. He's all, yeah. Brixton, because he was a huge Clash fan, and he was actually in Brixton town in London, touring. Yeah. And I'm all, that's it. I'm all, what do you want to do? He's all, hats. And I was like, <laughs> wait a second. Because he's in England. Or wait, he yeah. Hat. yeah. yeah. He's know, like, he's I'm like, wait a second, hat. like baseball hats or what? He's like, no. He's like, he's like, you know that hat that you're, when your grandpa passes clothes down, there's like a snap hat and like a fedora. He's like, that's what I want to do. And shout out to Chad Denena at Nixon. He was watching what Nixon did by coming in. With a category. With a category that was yeah. kind of off. Not Nothing really since freestyle had come in with Nixon. Yeah. So he was like, I kind of want to model my business like this. And Dave was a very astute kid. He was always listening well. And uh, he came back. We laid it down. He said, each of us are going to put an X amount. And then... I want you, because you're my boss and you're kind of my mentor, to come in and I'm going to give you X amount of the company just for sweat equity. Wow. And also, he was starting a company while he worked at Transworld, which is kind of a no-no. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, we kind of covered, Charlie and I kind of covered for him yeah. until the brand got to where it was. And then... Sweat slash hush mouth. Yeah. But not <laughs> hush mouth in some ways because at the time, Shane Wallace had... 23 active stores oh shit and i'm like shane we're starting a little thing i want to come up and show it to you and shane blindly saw the four hats we made and goes i want x amount for all the stores so that was our first cha -ching, cha -ching, straight into a 24 store account boom yeah. so i kind of got that first big account for him and then i helped with the marketing a little bit like the idea was instead of trying to sponsor a guy that already rides for volcom or billabong we're in a category no one has so let's just see people with free product 
So Matt Hensley can be in an ad and we don't have to pay him 20 grand a year yeah. or whatever. Jamie Thomas. And it became this thing. And then Junior Seau was a friend of mine. We got him in a hat. Next thing you know, Eva Mendez is naked in a centerfold of Esquire magazine with the hat. And it just went. Where yeah. is that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll send you the JPEG. You'll like it. Um, but really, it's all David Stoddard. He was the mastermind. And then Jay Young um, was doing... Uh, the kind of operations and then Michael Chapin was kind of the, the overseer of the money and the accounting. Yeah. And I was just a sweat equity guy and we just watched it build. Two years later, Dave had enough from going to the garage to actually get a warehouse. I stuck around at Transworld, you know, because Brixton was never me. Like I, I didn't really have a home there because it was his fashion, his flavor, his style. Yeah. He brought it like he brought that and he hates the word hipster, but for lack of better words, he was on that, like, yeah, yeah. Sh leather shoes, fedora hat. And when I'd wear it, I felt like... But you're, you're I, a face of the brand. You had, you had the relationships and you helped, you know... I like did my share. Yeah. I did my share for my sweat equity. But mentor. I'm still wearing half cabs and Ben Davis in a t-shirt. That's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he'd always laugh at me, too, because I like... He'd want to, like, get me all dudatted up and I'd be tacky. So I was like, you're representing Bricks. I'm all, this is me, dude. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So basically, that went on and I just was silent for after the first heavy lifting i would just he'd call me for little things here and there and then 10 years in i leave Transworld, or no the brand at this time i think the brand was a little bit younger than that and i had left Transworld, didn't know what i was gonna do my wife was losing it you know because we were making good money and you know yeah had the mortgage and all that stuff and i got the brixton buyout and then i was like okay breathing room and then we started the privateer uh that's pretty good, pretty good payout uh yeah for my percentage yeah definitely was like okay yeah I'll put it this way. I showed my mom the check and went, I did this. Like, yeah, that's wow. A, yeah. That's a, yeah. Not bad for a yeah, yeah. high school dropout. Yeah, nothing compared to what those guys did. Yeah. You know, but, but still. Uh, but for what you got I got rewarded for, for. For what I put in the company, very fair. Yeah. You know, um, did. I mean, it's, it's kind of an amazing story because you, you gave him his chance at Transworld. Yeah. And then he gave you equity for yeah. giving him a chance yeah. and also some skill him. set yeah yeah, yeah. And, and there was a point i remember there was one point where they had to go to a bank for a big loan and i was on the docket and they wanted to protect me so they're like we're gonna pull you out of the company with this loan and i had to sign some sketchy paperwork and i totally good faith trusted him that i was still going to be honored and he came through and honored it at the end yeah a lot of companies i've heard oh, stories yeah. like what Vinny went through with Ezekiel, yeah. with the Garmentos and stuff. So I was weary of that, but I knew that he was family. Yeah. And um, he held up his, his end of the bargain very much so and called me and, 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 and did it. And uh, so I took a couple months off. We were doing the, building the restaurant, Charlie and I, um, getting that thing off the ground. So and what made you guys decide to do Privateer? We just felt like Oceanside was about to burst. Yeah. And... Chewy's brother, Hector, was a chef. I had my cooking background. I knew everything about Italian and pizza. There wasn't anything in South O that had that. And I was a big fan of coal-fired pizza. There's a place called Lombardi's in New York. It's like a 100-year-old oven. And it's, you get this coal, and it's like 900 degrees. It makes a pizza in 90 seconds. And I was like, that's something that Oceanside doesn't have. We've got Domino's. We've got the local yeah, yeah. pizza spot. But we don't have this higher-end food. And then with Hector's uh, chef skills... It happened, and then Charlie and I knew everyone, so everyone was coming in, so and we launched a business. Before, though, was the the privateer by the beach? It was like a... Oh, no, that's the Buccaneer Shack. So okay. Charlie had also invested in that. Charlie's an entrepreneur. He's always 
Charlie, since I was a kid, has wanted to retire by 45. <laughs> he's the guy that wants it now, and then he wants to chill, which he's now he's down living in Cabo, retired, yeah. so yeah. he's 51, right? <laughs> so he did it. Um, but yeah, so that he, he was part of that. Everyone thinks I'm part of that, but I just okay. grew up around it. Got it, got like, it. Like, I don't pay for my coffee there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I roll up, don't wait in line, they give my coffee every morning. I help them out. We're, it's family. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he started that restaurant, and, uh, and I did that, and then... I had taken a couple months off and I'd spent so much time skating. That 10 years at Transworld, I had lost touch with my surfing. I really had because I was so busy in skate. I was the publisher of Transworld Skateboarding. Everywhere I went was skateboarding. And um, I didn't surf. I'd surf maybe a couple times a, a month, you know? Can you do... It's hard. It's Can hard. You tell Family, what, kid, work. Yeah. What were your... What, what do you do as a publisher? So publisher is an interesting word in magazines. In, in, in the book world, a publisher is the one that finances and promotes and sells your book and builds it for you. The publisher. Yeah. In the magazine world, a publisher is someone that basically manages the whole business from the top down and reports to the uppers. So there's a sales manager that handles all the sales. There's a, a editor-in-chief that handles all the editor. They report to you as the publisher. So you're saying, hey, sales are here. Mag, uh, editorial's here. Here's the new things we're going to bring in and out. So basically, you're the puppet master of the magazine. Got it. So it's it's more it's just funny to me because I had no computer skills and I find myself being the one doing the spreadsheets. You're in charge of the budget. You're you live or die by the sword. You're the tip of the, the spear as far as that that publication goes. Yeah. And uh, but you got control and, and creativity you and you stuff. manage you yeah. manage a team yeah. and yeah you yeah. manage the budgets. You make sure your sales guys are working. You know you report to the big bosses. You do the presentations. That yeah. type of thing. Think about all that knowledge you've accumulated, you know? It's pretty ironic. It's crazy. It's awesome, you and, know? And and now that we're in a digital, you know, world, and like you said, you kind of were blindsided a little bit or you just didn't want to accept it, you know? Yeah. Because, I mean, that's what you lived. You're like, this isn't going away. What are you talking about? Like, people... Totally. Are, you know, and it just... I mean, within a few years, it just yeah. Yeah. evaporated. It was gone. Yeah. And it wasn't that I didn't trust or like the internet yeah i just didn't realize what a beast it was going to become because the value points of what i still believe print stand for yeah outweighed what i think the internet can do and look at the world now like everyone's got an opinion everyone's on the right or the left yeah. school shootings are making people famous it's just horrible and a lot of it has to do with the internet yeah and being able to be your own steward of of exposure and i still feel like that the magazine can kind of control some of that yeah. um so yeah, so after I left Transworld, I uh, I was a couple months off, fell back in love with surfing, and Perez called me and said, "Hey, why don't you come over here, dude? We just want you, whatever. Like, come talk to Norb. Yeah, come come to the come to our, our side of the building." And I said, "You know, I'd done enough sales. What about marketing?" And I came in to do marketing for all the group, and quickly realized skateboarding needed help. So right back into my lane, you know. And then, you know, within a year, they all got bought by each other, and then I was like, "I'm not going back to this." You yeah. know, and I just left and I went and worked for CA skate parks and it was just not what I wanted to do. It was just a California. Place. Yeah. Yeah. Because they were like, why don't you come in and help us create the marketing? And they just wanted sales too. And I was like, no, you guys need to create video and content because at that point I understood where it was going. Yeah. I'm like, you guys not, have the best skate parks in the world. Showcase those and the sales will come. Not, not just throwing, Hey, we need banners in this, in this area, this area. Like how was the mark? Like, yeah, mark I wanted them to create edits, like get yeah. the best skateboarders to your parks, have them talk about how good your parks are. Let's push this out. Let's activate your social media. Yeah, Cause that, that you know? goes on forever. You know, once you get a good video part or a killer move, like, I mean, you could go down yeah. on the internet now and yeah. Cause they're marketing to try to get generate yeah. revenue. But the right? problem was they go to cities. So they wanted me to cold call cities and try to sell them the dream of getting a park. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my idea was from the, all the parks I've been involved building, the kids fight for the park in their city. Yeah. So you get the kids going, California skate parks makes the best parks. Yeah. When they go to the city council meeting, we need a skate park and we need them to build it. We needed the community. And they didn't see that step in between. And I was in there about eight months and we were about to go to China because they built all the X game stuff. And I literally got up in the middle of the meeting. I go, you know what, you guys, I'm sorry. I just can't do this. I'm out. Wow. And I just. Good for you. I mean, it is what it is. You can't. You know, if you're not happy, it's time to move on. Yeah. And I just bounced. And at that point, I I had sold my shares of privateer. Because I wasn't, there was some internal stuff that was happening. Nothing with me and Charlie, but with the other partner, which the other partner's not there, long story short. Um, but so I left Privateer and I was just kind of sitting there going, what am I going to do? And Louis Hayward once again and this guy, Zach Cordner, were like, Oceanside's about to bust. Let's do a magazine. And they had been calling me for a couple months going, you know, everyone, you have the publishing skill set. My partner, Zach, who's the part, still the partner with me at the O-Sider, um, is a photographer. Yeah. So he has the edit skills. So I was like, perfect. Louis had the idea. So we all came in and we said, let's set out and build this magazine. And I think I told you, Zach is April's yeah. cousin's husband. Yeah. How uh, weird is that? Such a small world. Yeah. He's married to Alondra, which yeah. is, yeah. And he's awesome. So um, Louis lasted about a year with us. Him and Zach didn't see eye to eye. He ended up leaving the business, but it was too full for me because at first I was like, I don't know if I want to go back into selling magazines. But then I started thinking about Oceanside and practicing what I preach about. I feel like magazines are still viable. So we set out on that course to prove it. And I still believe if you make a vertical niche magazine, like skateboarding, surfing, whatever, this is about our city. You take beautiful full bleed color photos, not like a news rag, you know, not like the OC register, but like a pretty magazine about the city. Uh, You focus on the history, the culture, the new things that are going on, the restaurants, the businesses. Yeah. And you make it free. Lose the subscription base and just base it on advertising revenue only. It can have a voice. And here we are eight years later and we've done it. And it's, yeah, I don't make the money I made at Transworld, granted. Yeah. But I pay my mortgage. I know everything that's going on in my city. I, as the city changes, I still get to remind people of where it comes from. We have a columns that are set in place for that, like homegrown people that are successful, that are from the town, born and raised. We have a column called Oceanside's Finest, which talks about people that are doing good things in the community. We have restaurant guides. We do all these things in the magazine. We do six a year and it's a full-time job, you know, and it's awesome. Yeah. And and any good city, you know, council, like they, they need to promote, they need to make sure like the businesses, whatever events coming in town and gets out there. Like it's, you know, it's community driven and you're never going to run out of content. You know, like, no, not like, at all. You know, it's just how many uh, issues not, come out a year? I do six issues a year, and we print about twenty thousand copies per issue. Um, but the cool thing for us is we're not involved. We're not part of the city, so we don't get involved in any politics, anything. It's only positive because growing up in Oceanside, it was the military hooker crack town. Yeah, and I was so sick of hearing that, especially after we started the privateer that I wanted to uplift it. Even though that's part of it and we want to tell those stories. What about people like Junior Sale that came out of Oceanside? What about Charlie and I or or Zell and Gary that started Beach Break Cafe? Like, let's tell those stories. So although we get accolades from the city and and the Chamber of Commerce and all the local government, we have nothing to do with them. So then when it comes to to voting time, we don't have to talk about it. We don't get into the negatives. The only thing that we promote is the environment because 
to me, if you don't take care of your own environment, you're just an idiot, yeah. Yeah. you know, straight out. So that's the only thing that we do a, a repeated feature on is yeah. the environment. I yeah. love that you, it's crazy because, you know, Transworld and, and Surfer, all these globally charged, you know, magazine outlets, they're, they're marketing to the world. Boom. And yeah. here you are marketing to your, your niche, your niche, your, yeah. your hometown. city. But I mean, globally, it's getting seen a little bit, but yeah, it's it's enough to sustain a livelihood for you guys. Yeah, but also promoting your scene. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and the way a lot, that works, a lot of small businesses. You yeah, know, all that. dude. Yeah, and Oceanside's become like Blowing it up. used to just be like Mexican food places and a couple burger joints. Yeah. Now people are doing food tours. Like people are coming from San Diego. I got people that come down. To, from Orange County, San Clemente, just to eat in Oceanside. Yeah. They're like, oh, we, we love the coal-fired pizza here. And I see Bro, people that I know from the industry and like... giving. Let's give out a shout out to Shane Magnuson. My shoots, boy, yeah. Shoots, right? What's Shoot, it called? Shoots, shoots Pokey, yeah. Shoots Pokey. Yeah. Dude, that place is insane. Yeah. Atacama opened up a store. That Tremont, yeah. is it yeah, called? Yeah, Tremont Collective. Street? There's the Communal Coffee, which is like the most hipster coffee shop. Like, yeah. I don't know anyone in there, but it's like... <laughs> People get dressed up, groom their dogs, bring their computers, and they sit there and they spend half the day at this coffee shop, yeah. which is a scene I never would have saw in Oceanside. We yeah. have good coffee shops, just yeah. like, you know, the surf shops and the boys, but this is like a scene. Yeah, yeah. you build it, they will come. Yeah, and yeah. Oceanside is building it, and they're coming. Yeah. And for us, that's great because the way we have the magazine set up is we help you grow, you advertise with us, we grow. Yeah. So, you know, we, we had to fight through COVID. We had to do some crowdfunding and give some free ads out and things like that to survive. But now we're back to where we were before COVID, and this last issue we just put out our biggest issue ever. Yeah. So we're back on the in the on the uh, increase again, and which is nice. There's more Tremont Street is one. one That's just one zone. little nugget. Yeah. And there's more coming, right? Like yeah. Just different. Yeah. Well, it keeps you involved and on the pulse, and, and what could help better your community and talking yeah. to people and like, hey, like that. You know, obviously, you know when when a good event comes through or right. you know something that takes off, you're like, man, okay, we need. We need that. We need a yeah. few more of those type of businesses and stuff. Yeah. So I, I feel like uh, I was talking to somebody about it, and California, you know, it's dense. It sucks, right? Yeah. Some parts suck, but it's still a, a great place to live. It's costing more and more to, to do, do it, it, of course. Yeah. But I feel like um, like San Diego, Encinitas, Carlsbad, you know, Lucadia, and now Oceanside starting to you know really flourish definitely and a new you know a, a more family oriented but well, also like upscale uh, but yeah i mean yeah. It, it bordered the base and it was a transient city because that's the, yeah. that's the people that are, that that's what there, it was you yeah. know yeah. and yeah. it was one of the last com beach communities last frontier to really you know get in at a ground level that wasn't already like Encinitas yeah. or Laguna or Newport, you know, like yeah, where there's old money. The ways aren't good there. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, <laughs> horrible. Yeah, but but uh, I mean, we as a surfer, like growing up, like Oceanside was a go-to spot. Oh man, like, and it Test still is. Board, but, you know, yeah. but, you know, like you said, the, there's a lot of contests there. Yeah, it has a rich surf community. Like Dude. a lot of brands right there, or in Vista, you know, yeah. like it's how, how amazing were the the stubbies? Oh, yeah. down there. Um, PSAAs were down there. Definitely. Yeah. Like, Unreal. Like I had uh, an SSA Nationals used to be down there when yeah. I was a kid. 
Yeah, nationals. Yeah. USA Surfing, it's the official training ground for them now. Yeah. So I'm seeing Ryan Simmons down there all the time. He Hi actually, dog. like about two weeks ago, I pull up to Buck and we have this wall that we sit at and then there's like a little jetty with like a little lifeguard tower that overlooks. And no one ever films there unless it's one of us. And I look over and everyone's like, all the old guys are like, what's up with these guys? And I look over and there's like 10 little kids and like two filmers. And I'm like, hmm. Walk over, it's Simo and um, and the crew. And then uh, what's the one kid's name in San Clemente? His dad filmed and stuff, Andy something. But it's all these like new USA kids. And Simmons looks at me and he knows the rules. He's like, yeah. he's like, He's like, is it cool for her? I'm like, yeah, Ryan, of course. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I don't know. Oceanside told us to come here. Yeah. They said, this is the beach of training. I'm like, right on. So I walked with the boys. I'm like, hey, don't cut those kids off. They're the future. And then they started watching the kids surf. So like, okay. Yeah. But it's like still has that, you know. Yeah. And um, going back to the stubbies, I remember, I think it was the, it was either the stubbies or the life's a beach. And it was Tommy Carroll and Brad Gerlach in the final. <laughs> And this is right before Brad blew up this year. I think was, Brad, we talked to Brad yeah, about that. Right? Yeah, it was epic. And I was the little Grom standing right here when it happened. Something happened to the Heat where there's controversy. And they couldn't call if Carol or Gerlach won. I can't remember exactly. It was a paddling interference or whatever it was. Or the clock. And, um, and so the contest director comes out and he's like, listen, guys. We can't call it. What do you say to resurfing the heat? And I'll never forget. Brad's like, let's go. I'll surf right now. What up, Tom? And like, <laughs> Tom and him were face to face. And I watched this moment as a grom. Like, dude, this is like some heavy behind the scenes stuff. And he's like, I'll resurf the heat right now. Yeah. And he resurfed it. And I think he won the heat. And then the next issue, he had this huge backside barrel photo at DMJ's on the other side of the base. And that was when Gurr just went Gurr like superhero yeah, yeah. after that. And well, I just Tom remember being there for that moment. And I remember, like, Tom, he was a feisty competitor. And oh, he was, yeah. like, you know, like... Stocky little pit bull. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you're a freaking grom. Like, beat it. I'm going to freaking smoke you. And, and, of course, everybody knows Brad. Yeah. And Brad's, like... Everyone knows Gurr. Yeah. 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 Brad's, like, let's do it. Let's <laughs> yeah. do it, Tom. I'll resurf it let's, right now. Like, face-to-face. -face. I was, like, wow. I remember just thinking... I was a little competitive Gers. Grom, and I was like, like that was heavy. Uh, can, can they bring back some of those best two out of three finals? Like... Yeah. They should. Right? Yeah. When, well, yeah. Well, they're doing it for the final final, right? The final final. Yeah. I wish they did it in a way of more consequence than lowers, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but just that it just Dude. gave such great energy on the beach. Sheet land in two days. I know. And Gabriel's back. Oh. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. Did you watch the that last yeah, challenger? Yeah, I, I nerd out on all the contests. Bro, me too. <laughs> but did you watch Yeah. the Michael Rodriguez versus Rio? Yeah. Oh, my God. Did you watch that heat, Lark? I don't think so. Is that the challenger? The comeback yeah. heat yeah. of the year, Bro, man. Michael Rodriguez was El Fuego. I think he I did. fucking oh. started off with a nine. Yeah, five. he had like high excellent scores. Yeah, and, and he the uh, the guy had to scramble. Rio? Yeah, dude. Like he dropped a bomb right at the end. Yeah. Bro, but like he, halfway down the point, right? Yeah, he fucking Michael Rodriguez had a nine five and an eight something. So he had a 17.6 heat total. By the books, you would win that heat. Yeah. You know, like 17 and, and plus. Honestly, like, you're watching the thing unfold. You're like, holy shit. Like, fucking, it's done, you know? And it was like mid-heat where he had that score. Yeah. And fucking Rio gets a eight-something. And then... He's still fighting. He's working his way yeah, back in. Yeah, you're just like... I mean, how many times have I watched Rio... Wada, not very many. Yeah. I think he surfs all right. But for him to come back and beat him by like 0.20. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like he scored like a 17-8 where what's his face? Emrod was 17-6. And it was like I mean there was And the waves are good. Fun. Fun. Rippable. But it was a diamond in the rough almost because so many waves were like Yeah, it, you was, know, it was choosy. Choosy. You but, always gotta remember those guys make it look funner than it is yeah. too. Fun just, to watch. You know? Oh for sure. And yeah. the, the the nerves of steel the fucking guy showed. Yeah. Was that was that's fucking radical surfing right there. That's amazing surfing to watch. And then he did it again in the final. Yeah. Then he took out Callanan did the same thing to him and he came back with Callanan. Yeah. Callanan came out with a fucking eight something on his first wave. Yeah, eight and a seven to start. You're just like, yeah. holy shit, because Callahan was on a he was home. on a that's his home break, right? Yeah. He was hammering it. He was hammering it and like getting the right waves and doing finishing. Yeah. Oh the whole my mind. god. But Crazy. let's let's talk about all those incredible athletes with no stickers on their boards. Yeah. yeah. It's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, fucking heavy, right? Never now. would have saw that in our era. No. The one thing you have was sponsors. For that sure. Could, that you could deal with. But you know what I got to talk about? Um, because she's a member of the Oceanside Board Riders Club, is our girl, Katie Simmers. Woo-wee! That girl is going to bring a world title to Oceanside. I love Mark it. Mark my words. I love I it. She would have is to insane. Agree with you. She yeah. fucking rips. She killer style. For her to, um, and her parents to, Make that decision of not going on tour and just like be a a yeah. little girl, yeah, for, for one more year or yeah. however long she yeah. takes. That's that's rad. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's no rush. I mean, a lot of people rush because they think that's you know they're one shot. Yeah, yeah, it's like, but you know, yeah. I mean, those that you know, it's so much headspace than it is ability. You know, yeah. like there's so much growth to be in the head. You know, and and surfing around the world in different spots, obviously. To get that confidence, yeah. but she she's so fucking polished. Yeah, it's crazy for, how for, good she is 16? at such a young age. She just has it. It's crazy, and she's so stoic. When you talk to her, it's not intimidating, but she's almost staring through you because she's so absorbent. That's awesome. She she's like looks at you like she's twenty, but she's sixteen. Yeah, you know, and um, sixteen. Yeah, and she's not that big. She's a tiny little thing, but yeah, she's like if you could make Stephanie Gilmore. A little gnarlier. Yeah, that's what she is. Yeah, like, she reminds me. She reminds so me good. of uh, of Chloe and oh that John top John. turn with the tail pick. Yeah, jo- like John John like hand hand know, down because she skates too. She can skate body mechanics. Yeah, but Chloe like for some reason I I, I get a Chloe vibe from. It's got that more the, the whip on that yeah, turn. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, she's an exciting yeah. surfer to watch. And her brother rips too. Timo, he's a little more of the quiet one. He kind of lives under the shadows. Mm. But he's on the rise too. He's another little ripper. And he's been performing younger really well. Younger than him? Her? I think he's younger, yeah. Wow, okay. He's like 14, I think. Wow. And he's super smooth too, super quiet. He's got more air game. She's got air game too, but he's like you doing it more often in the lineup. You got yeah. to have an air game now. Yeah, you got to have an yeah. air game. Yeah. yeah. But, but the rail to rail and polish and style and everything will, you know, it's everything. Yeah. yeah. It's it's cool to watch somebody from our... Our you know, hood. Yeah, our your hood. But She our, could very well be the first Californian to bring the title home. You know what I mean? Since who who had a title before her? Curran? Curran, right? Was the last one to have a California? title? California? Fuck, yeah. Curran. Yeah, I mean, there's only Hawaiians in Florida. Because Griffin's the first guy to win a CT in like 20 years when he won Portugal. Oh, shit. Because Kolohe's almost won a couple times. I think something like 12 or 20 years or something. For California. Check the facts. For a Californian to win an event. Yeah. 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 I think you're you're right. I think Taylor or Rob was the last person to win one. Fuck. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
I, think I don't think Taylor it. ever won an event except for like the XL, so it had to be Rob. Yeah. Winning an actual CT event. It's fucking so, crazy. Or Beshin. Yeah. I mean, Beshin won some big events too, yeah. But the show is not about the WSL. The show is. Yeah, about yeah. Forget those right. guys. Let's, let's talk about so, the rawness. So, restaurant, uh, you sold your shares. Yeah. Oside magazine. magazine. Yeah. Osider magazine. So, just representing our, our hood. And then uh, once I. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say in 2018, you. Come full circle. Come full circle. Um, first, like I said earlier, Track Top was my first uh, job after trying to be a surfer on a professional level and uh, just fell back in love with surfing. I kind of was getting older. I still skate. I have a cement skate park at my house, but you know, I just fell back in love with surfing and I wanted to do something in surfing twofold, kind of like what we had proven with the magazine that print was still viable if you do it the right way. I wanted to do a surf company the old school way where you go into shops and you talk to people, you make the product that you want to make, you do it your way, you do the chest passes. So uh, we started Low Tide Manufacturing and it's just a small accessory company, real small, but it's it's blue collar. It's for the working class guy that works 40 hours a week construction, but then he goes to Indo for two months. He doesn't really care who stickers on your board, but he rips. He's probably at Porto right now packing a big one, but no one knows his name. That's who we kind of you know, it's for everyone, but that was the the idea, the blue collar everyday surfer. But but more genius than that is the shops need that price point. They need that kind of like local brand, you know, because it's at, if you look at any wall, whether it's fins, leashes, traction boards, it's just like it's yeah. it's the big boys. Yeah, it's FCS, you know? it's Creature, it's Dekine, and uh, and Octopus. They actually are somewhere in between because they kind of got their vibe, but it's kind of they're more on that Brixtony type vibe where it's kind of like. The cool kids a little bit, yeah. you know, with, and I love all those guys, Dion and all those guys around, but it's definitely a cool kids brand. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the, the backyard shapers and, you know, there's so many good local shapers where the guys are going and getting a deal. You know, they're not just going and buying a, you know, a Lost or, you know, an Americ or, you know, a Paisel, you know, whatever the brands that yeah. the guys are going in and, yeah. and I want the $150 fin set. I need a new leash. I need that traction. I need board back, you know, yeah, you're catering to those like the old school surf shop where it's almost that's uh, it yeah it reminds me of a skate vibe too where definitely that 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 black shoe yeah the waiter skater that's kid, it that's right? it that's kind of what low tide mfg is. yeah we don't have any other colors besides black and white that's it <laughs> that's it in our leashes and our pads we've done a little orange because orange is a construction color and it represents uh in our dna that's part of it is that construction orange the construction yeah. work kind of vibe yeah a lot of the ideology of the brand is in skateboarding. There's a brand called Hard Luck Manufacturing. Yeah. And Hard Luck is started by a good buddy of mine, Steve Luther, um, another trans world ex guy. Uh, he also helped uh, at Vans and Converse rebuild their programs. Yeah. Another industry guy. And Hard Luck was done by Jason Jesse, who's a legendary skateboarder. Yeah. And um, originally I was trying to get those guys to do the surf program Hard Luck through them because we're partners. He actually, uh, they run Hard Luck out of my warehouse and everything like that. Mm. Um, but with Jason, he want, wanted to keep the brand pure. So then I started thinking of names. But it's definitely set on that vibe. Like, yeah. Gons drew their logo. My tattoo artist created our logo. I was just scratching on paper and kind of scratched out the logo. And it's like the low and then the ocean side with the O, X marks the spot where we're from. And then there's no uh, no pro riders necessarily as far as signature. We, we have one guy coming out that just we feel fits. But it's all uh, 
tattoo art so that the pad instead of being a John John Florence pad it's the rhino pad yeah. and it's a tattoo art of a rhinoceros it's a tiger pad you know et cetera, et cetera. so we're having fun with that so is that that pro a secret right now still no it's not a secret uh, it's actually everyone's favorite surfer Clay Marzo yeah and uh, you know he fits the DNA so perfectly because he's not surfing contest guy barely put on a wetsuit never leaves Maui you know mind-blowing crazy mind surfing blowing. yeah i mean uh, you guys have seen snap four and, and oh, young yeah. guns and all that and uh that happened organically as well a buddy of mine in skateboarding world josh preby uh was preves preves was sponsoring him for jslv mm -hmm. when they were doing uh branching in the surf just live just live and he was getting pads from someone and they couldn't get him pads and he said, hey, Clay saw your stuff at my house. Can we send him some stuff? Sick. So we sent him stuff. He liked the stuff. And then the relationship just went natural from there. And it was actually our idea because we're like, hey, we we don't really, we kind of sponsor local guys in local pockets. Like yeah. Duran Bar kills it for us. Like Tex Mitchell, you know, up here, we want to take care of guys behind the counters. We grow into Orange County. But Clay's someone that actually has a name that everyone respects. Dude. So we're like, let's go for it. Plus, he doesn't have a bunch of big sponsors. We can put a little money in his pocket. And yeah. uh, and do it. So we're gonna do a do a little uh, package for him, Sweet. which I'll show you guys after. Nice for your eyes only. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, stay in your lane, and and there's I mean, there's plenty of money to go around and and do something different. Like why saturate something that everybody else is taking the recipe and it has a cookie cutter copy. You know, like every, it is signature driven. It's obviously the, you know the product's got to work, but yeah, you know, you guys have a good niche for yeah. sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's funny because. Really, we're only in San Diego, but because of relationships and because of the internet, this is where the social media helps. We have a wider net that people may think because yeah. we've got some test pilots like Makai McNamara and we sell to Liam at North Shore Surf Shop. Relationship, once again, from the Bud Tour days, paying nice. out, right? Um, and then Duran, you know, his dad was David Barr, the legendary surfer from San Diego. Mm. And Duran is just a charger and he's our guy that we just- Duranimals? Duranimal, yeah, Duranimal. Yeah. He just got a mean, probably one of the waves of the year at Puerto Escondido. Um, but he's a charger. He uh, he rides for surfboard broker. That's David Barr's kid. That's David Barr's son. Wow. So Duran Barr is loosely Duran Ball, which was Dave's favorite wave in Australia. Epic. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. Is, is uh, David Barr a shaper too? He shapes. Yeah. He's, yeah. He shapes. Um, he does those crazy tails, right? The, he does the shapeshifter yeah, things. Yeah, shapeshifter. He's kind of backed off on that a little bit just because the thing about surfboards is, is different shapes, sizes, thickness for weight. So to have a universal tail... You'd it'd be he'd have to have so many parts. Yeah, yeah. But it is a cool concept, and yeah. if you're an average surfer that rides an average size board, they they're killer. Yeah, you can have a swallowtail, pintail, asim on one so board. So cool. You know, which is pretty cool. We ran into him in Nicaragua. Yeah, he spends a lot there. of time down there. Yeah, yeah, rad. That's awesome. Yeah, so just keeping low tide underground, doing it uh, the way we want to do it. That yeah. was like with the first team guys. They're like, well, what do we do? I go, we do what we want. You know, that's any, the idea. Any shops carrying it yet? Yeah, so both Surfride, Surfride Solana Beach, Surfride Oceanside. Yeah, um, Surfride. Yeah, but Surfboard Broker Florida, Surfboard Broker US, North Shore Surf Shop in Hawaii, Asylum in Oceanside, uh, Timmy Patterson up here, uh, Use Surf in San Clemente. But we haven't really broke the plane from San Clemente North yet. Yeah. And we just want to grow organically because I'm putting my own money into it. And until I know that we have a sales force and people that can actually push the button, I'm not going to dump any more money into it. Yeah. As I know, if I can sell 10,000 pads, I'll do a 10,000 pad order. Yeah. Right? But right now we're doing, you know, 500 of this pad, 500 of that pad, yeah. you know? Yeah. And just making sure they're sell through because 
To me, a lot of these brands come in now, and unlike the Vulcans and Ezekiels that we talked about, they were built organically and built relationships. They come in, they already have structure, and they have angel investors, and all of a sudden they're a $10 million company. Great if you can do that, but I think you lose what the brand's meaning is. You don't yeah. get to grow that meaning. I want to do, once again, what I call chess passes and grow organically. Everywhere that we sell, we have great sell-through because we do those chess passes. We make sure that the right kid behind the counter got the product. We listen to what they're saying about price points and packaging and doing it the old way, right? Not just, yeah. here's what you get or throwing spaghetti against the wall. It's like we make four good pads. We only do them in three colorways, black, white, white, black, or all black metal, which our best seller is the black metal because even our logo's blacked out. And a lot of new brands wouldn't do that. But for the guy that's not a logo-driven guy, he wants a blacked out pad killer. It's like when you get older, you know, you used to have all the prints. Then you just want the little Ruka tab now yeah, on your T-shirt, yeah. you know? You just want a little hit, you know? Less is more. Less is more. Yeah. And and so we've kind of identified that. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, all the people that are involved are stoked. And, you know, the next step now that we're post-COVID um, is, is is the growth into Orange County and, and uh, yeah. up the coast. Well, maybe we can help you with that, Buck Life. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> we know lots of people. Yeah. What's that Grom's yeah. name? Yeah. Where, where are you at, Grom? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my promo account needs to be huge. Yeah, right? Yeah. Max Lambert, get ready. Yeah. yeah. But that's the idea. Like, I'd much rather give, you know, pads to kids behind the counter to test because I believe in our product. Yeah. And it's like, test it out. You know? Yeah. We're not reinventing the wheel. It's a traction pad. Yeah. But it sticks. It's got the right glue. It's got the right look. It's sticky. Yeah. Let's well, go. You, yeah. You, you, know? You, know, you know why things sell. It's 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 marketing. It's accessibility. Or it's, it's you know, I identify and I, you know, you know, like I like it because of this. You know? Right. That's and it. yeah, there's a lot of people out there that don't need to go buy a, a branded, you know, tail pad for X amount of dollars just, just because it's there. They yeah, had options. Yeah. You know, you guys are going to. You yeah. guys are going to do well, for sure. Yeah. And a lot of color, like a lot of the pads I see, I like the cuts and the outlines of some of our competitors, but then it's just like rainbow, pretty pebbles dropped all over them. Like for me, I'm not into that. Yeah. You know, the skate side of me comes back, black shoes, black tee, khakis, you know, yeah. like yeah. that's the fit. And uh, yeah, so we're stoked and, and I'm excited about it. And I have a partner, uh, Chris Hughes, and uh, he does all the design, working with the factories. And then I kind of channel the marketing and sales. And it works once again, just like like Osider. I have one partner. I have one partner with this. Yeah. And uh, and I found people that work, and we go to our skill sets, and we go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we love it. I mean, you know, American starting, dream. Yeah, starting your own business and being an entrepreneur is is what we love to talk about and love to you know amplify that 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 spirit. You know, for and sure. The big thing for us too is authenticity. You know. With authenticity, hard work, and passion, you're sure to succeed. It know? feels like you should, right? Yeah, that yeah. doesn't that feel like that's the recipe for yeah, the most part. But, you it, know? but it, but it's hard, you know. Hey, I want terms, you know. Hey, I, I need, you know, like this. I need that. Hey, I need we're, discount. We're like, trying to be uplifting. Right no, now. I'm just saying, like the, those are hurdles. But for those sure. are hur hurdles. Why he's growing it organically because yeah. he being in the business and having the history, you yeah. know, as you branch out, there's concessions. There's 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 deals that can make or break a company and people yeah. scale too quick or they go too, you know, yeah. they get, they get caught, you know, so doing what you're doing and keep it, you know, organic and you're yeah. going to, you're going to succeed. Yeah. yeah. Eight years successfully running a magazine where magazines are gone. Yeah. That's definitely that's, a feather in the amazing. cap. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's a feather in the cap for sure. And it's, uh, these things seem to fall in my lap. I feel like sometimes, you know, divine intervention, whatever you want to call it. I just feel like I seem to sometimes be in the right 
place at the right time, yeah. you know? And uh, the path has been really, really cool for me. And like, just knowing you guys, you know, we live an hour away, but through what we do, yeah. we've known each other for years. Years. You know, and yeah. it's great. It's like, when I first saw the, the podcast, I was like, no way. I got to check this out. This is awesome. You know, same thing on the other end. Yeah. It's like, yeah. look what these guys are doing now. Because I know you guys are successful in what you do outside of the podcast, yeah. but you guys feel You're the damn right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, check I mean, my it, numbers. <laughs> but we, we did it or, organically kind of too. And we just, it's just content is everything. And it's not us. It's the guests we have and, yeah. and, their, and, and what their story is and inspiring and telling cool stories. And, you know, we always say it's the, you know, the web of life and how everybody you know, goes their path, but we keep crossing over, yeah. intertwining, you know, right? Intertwining and stuff, and yeah, we love it. I mean, that's why we're in this industry. Yeah, you know, and it's so needed, you guys. I can't thank you enough because these are the things our industry need to pay it forward and to carry on. Because we don't have the shop as a base anymore in the same way as we did. Yeah. We don't have the magazines that you wait all month this because you made the final and your names in the little yellow column in the back. Yeah, we don't have Derek Hines saying. Martin Potter, you're never going to win a world title. And then the next year, Derek, Martin Potter wins a world title because Derek Hine pissed him off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We don't have that anymore. And, you know, Thrasher and Skate, we still have. But Jake Phelps passed away and he was that voice for Skate. And now they have new young guys that are picking that piece up. And they're keeping that. And the magazine is keeping skateboarding alive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that if we can go back to some of those old school ways, I know you can't change, change, but you can get on the boat. I always talk about that with the magazine. I have old school friends who are like, Oceanside's getting gentrified and you're blown out. No, 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 no. Yeah. We make a magazine about Oceanside to hold the culture in Oceanside. We're not selling the magazine in Huntington Beach yeah. or in Laguna. It's Oceanside for Oceanside. Yeah. Yeah. Gentrification's happening. You could have went out and got a small business loan and started a surf shop, a restaurant. Yeah. But you're complaining that your rent went up. Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I grew up, everything I got, I made. Yeah. Maybe I had some luck along the way, but get off your ass and do it or don't. Yeah. You know, and that's what our generation had. And I don't know if the millennial generation has that. I, sometimes I wonder. Yeah. But I hope the next generation start to feel the onus of like, earn your own salt. Yeah. Kick ass, make your way and do it. You yeah. know? Yeah. You live I, it. Yeah. I feel like in certain areas, there's definitely, you know, hope and, and the do-it-yourself attitude yeah. and earn your own keep and the pride of you know, doing a good job, I think is, is still out there. And yeah, I mean, that's how we grew up, I think. Yeah. And, and I mean, we love this sport. We love the industry. We're talking about surfing. I mean, we all snowboard, skateboard, everything. But no matter where you're at, there's, you know, for the younger generation, it's like there's there's so much to be. There's so many layers, There's right? so many layers, yeah. Like, you know, hey, we all aspire as a kid to be a pro, you know, and, and or to be at that caliber. And, you know, hey, so very few make make that you know make that you know leap to be able to be you know get paid for what you want to do but there's so many jobs in the industry or create your own niche or you know there, you could still do what you love for the rest of your life yeah. and yeah. make a living out of it yeah. you know yeah. yeah that's the one thing about this age i would say it's you have more opportunity to make your own living the way you want on your terms now yes yeah. you know because covid proved that you can work from home you know what I mean? Social media does give you an outlet to start your own business. Yeah. You can go get a small business loan. You can get back to that old Americana of building stuff with your hands. And you see it like you see these kids that are into making motorcycles and fab now or like 
guys that are doing van life stuff and rebuilding their vans, the guys that are doing handmade leather wallets. It is out there. I, I agree with yeah. you. It's out there, but there was a gap for sure. Yeah. About yeah. five years ago, I was worried. Yeah. I was like, there was nothing new happening in the surf industry. Yeah. I mean, I thought like Ruka was the last rad new thing that came out for a long time. Yeah. You know, as far as clothing, when it seemed like our art was like, Volcom, Ezekiel, Counter, it was like stuff was happening nonstop and it was like yeah. something cool, someone's doing it, someone's going for it, you know? And it well, was cool to be Rivia projects coming. Yeah. Country Club Surf Club. And heard it, about it. Yeah. It, it was cool <laughs> to be different and it kind of got a little muddled, you know, like everybody. And now I feel like it's getting a little bit, you know, edgier, you know, like it's yeah. just not the cookie cutter. I mean, it, everybody makes great product and, yeah. you know, like there's no shortage of options out there, but yeah like support local you know yeah. that's what we preach you know support the you know the mom and pop support you know yeah. made in usa or you know some some little garage brand that could turn into something i mean yeah, yeah. And, and tell the story that's yeah. the biggest thing like when i listen to woolly tell his story about volcom even down to how the name came i love all that yeah. you know and, and when i was at Transworld, that was where i felt like i was a student of the game in the college because i'm talking to paul nadi you know, who's running Billabong. And just by talking about how I'm going to advertise with him for the next year, I'm learning so much about how his business runs, right? Yeah, yeah. Knowing that you come from the salt of the earth, HSNS, when it was a grimy little shop to what it is now, you learn so much there. Yeah. You yeah. were, you know, it's the irony that you work for a steezy brand like Ruka, but you were the guy, one yeah. of the first guys. Remember all the shit you got that you didn't have a surf photo? Yeah. They're like, Laura Rips, why the photo of him in the studio wear jeans? Yeah. <laughs> but I know. that was it. That was the story Vinny wanted to tell. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that resonates. So I think that, <clears throat> you know, as new brands come, although there's different avenues to tell the story, tell the story. Yeah. And make sure it's cool. And that's what I'm trying to do with Low Tide. You know, with the O-Sider, um, that's why I'm involved with the Board Riders Club, because I feel that, like with what you guys are doing, it's giving a place to share the culture and be part of it. Yeah. And this is one of those surf terms I've always hated, to be part of yeah. the tribe. Yeah. But it's true. Dick Baker, rest in peace. Yeah. It is a tribe. It, it is. is. Yeah. It really is. And, you know, it's just a word. Yeah. <laughs> and West Coast Board Riders Club. And, I mean, well, now East USA Coast, Board Riders now Club. Now USA, yeah. Like, we're a big fan. We're a big you know, we we promote the board riders clubs pretty much every freaking show. Yeah, of course. But it's just uh, it's amazing to see guys like you. You know, it's the closest thing to that trade show vibe yeah. without all the peripheral madness. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but it's 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 so cool to see this. You know, taking fire. You know, catching fire and like yeah. everyone being so into it. But it's like it's it's rivalry. But it's, you know, friendly, competitive, yeah, we're, shit-talking rivalry. For sure. Yeah. Rep your city now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's being something, being a part of something bigger. But, yeah. you know, there's a lot of disconnect over the years with just everything. Surf shop culture, no magazines. Yeah, Everybody yeah. goes their separate ways. We're obviously a little bit older. So, we you know, we're obviously way busier. But that, that childhood, you know, that, that, that young, impressionable, like, age where you don't have that connection to something bigger. And right now it's all about me, me, me and my trainer and my coach and my parents and, yeah. you know, everybody on that side, which is good, you know? Yeah. There's a part and there's a place for, for that. But to have that generational, like, yeah. you know, hierarchy yeah. and, oh, I didn't know so-and-so, you know, like was the man at the local beach back in the day, yeah. you know? Like a lot of that just doesn't get passed down like it used to. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because like, what I love about the Board Riders Club, the, the actual competition portion, aside from the philanthropy and the give backs you can do through your city, yeah. is 
the spread because it's not like age group or pro really. I mean, there's age groups, but like we have young 16-year-old Katie Simmers who's going to be on the world tour in no time and four-time Bud Tour champ Mike Lambrizzi and everyone in between. Yes. And when Mike surfed his heat at Trestles last year, he hadn't surfed a heat since the Bud Tour. Yeah. And so he was nervous as shit and he kind of fell apart and it was awesome. <clears throat> to see Archie actually put a jersey on, which was never known for that. Yeah. Like, Vinny De La Pena probably surfs maybe a couple times a month, I bet, with as busy yeah. as he is. And now the, that old juice starts coming back, like, dude, i seen Trevor Chris rip, and I need to get back in the water. Yeah. And it creates that little, like, it, yeah. the spark comes back. Can't yeah. show up and, and not yeah. perform. Yeah. I got to lose a couple. I got to get fit. I got to, like, Who, sweat Who's up? on the Oceanside roster? So on the roster, the, like, the standouts, really, obviously our girls are so strong. We got... Yeah. Uh, because Sky Brown lives in Oceanside now, Olympian. Wow. Uh, Tia Blanco lives in Oceanside. Sky Brown lives in Oceanside yeah. now? Oh, yeah, she man. trains with my buddy John Daniels, LTR Surf Sessions. He's actually uh, the one that trained Katie growing up, too. Awesome. Nice. So women were stacked. Yeah. All the way, like, from... We, we, we always are right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're so deep. And then uh, our weakest area is, like, our... 1920s area because there was a gap mm. but in the 30s we got the chris abods and the younger guys like that the aaron nice. coils in the 40s we got jason bennett's uh awesome. guys like that that are there uh jeremy heights yes. and then in the 50s we're kind of stacked because we got you know um everyone from like i haven't surfed an event yet because i've been going through this rehab but uh chewy reina mike lambrizzi tom steenbach solid um pretty good but um we get smoked like by San Clemente because they're so deep in the in the in the prime yeah. cut. Uh, Their C team is like better than our guys in that age. Not that there's anything our guys just aren't as competitively sound. They're great surfers. Oh, you, you mean the thirties when the three Gadowskis bros like roll up and Yeomans are like holy crap. Yeah, the guys that surf eight hours a day still. You yeah, know? yeah. And it's funny because Tanner moved to Oceanside. Wow. And he lives down the street from me, and I'm slowly trying to infiltrate the tanner. Like, why don't you come piss your boys off and come surf for you? Your address is here, dude. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I don't think you'll do it, but no. <laughs> we joke cool. with him all the time, though. Yeah, Lockhart, he, he lives in Laguna. He has for, like, 25 years. Yeah. He, he's on HP. He's like, that's my roots. That's where I grew up. All my boys, like, you know, yeah. again, it's you could you could train wherever, but, yeah. yeah. And Lockie and I probably surfed a 1,000 heats together growing that's up. We're, like, yeah. exact same age. And I loved his wiry, goofy foot up oh. top turn. Oh. You probably beat him Mr. all the time, time though. <laughs> uh, I'd have to look back. I'm going to say 50-50 on air. Yeah. <laughs> we'll give I'm it a little 70-30. Yeah. Buck life. Buck life versus Lockheed. <laughs> yeah, you, you pulled the, the Sonny Garcia on him, huh? Just like, what the fuck are going with? Sometimes it would work. Just the O-side vibe would yeah. work sometimes against some of the guys. You know who the guy, and I don't even know if he's around. I think he's a Newport guy. Brian Pottinger. Where did that guy go? Oh, yeah. Remember Pottinger? That I kid ripped him too. in a long time. Yeah. I recently started Brian talking Pottinger, to uh, yeah. Craig Batchloff, too, on, yes, uh, online yes, now. Is he trying to get on your team? No, 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 no. But I just see him around now, you know, like on Instagram. And we yeah. started talking. And uh, he was funny because we had a – it was the Life's a Beach at, at the at the uh, pier. And uh, I got an interference on him because he was coming left and I was coming right. And I sprayed him. And uh, and he did the full – threw his hands up. And I used to be kind of bummed on him after that for a while. And I came in and all my gangster friends tried to beat up the judges. Oh my and I was God. like, you guys are just killing my career right now. Like my one, this big six foot four Mexican Roy Levy, he's like a brother to me, a tattoo artist. He's like, come on down here, homies. We know where your car's at. Like, fuck it. He should have been through. I'm like, dude, you guys, you can't do that. You cannot do that, dude. <laughs> you're like, stoked, but give him, give him the first place. You're like, now, you're not, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Stoked, I'm like, oh. at the same time. Yeah. You know, straight, like a whole family from Pasole, like yeah. craziest, like. Gang in Oceanside. So, so yeah. you, you mentioned you're on recovery. You had a neck surgery. Yeah. And was that 
uh, an old injury? Or? Yeah, basically it's uh, just all the abuse of skating and surfing. Yeah. Um, and then I was, I mean, obviously I'm a big guy, but I was kind of complacent and just getting fatter and drinking too much and eating too much. So about two years ago, I'm like, I, I got to get my surfing better. I took a really, took a heavy one at Velsyland and I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. I got to get this under control. So I started training with this barefoot movers guy. It's kind of like a animal flow. I don't know if you know what that is. It's yeah. kind of like yoga, but based on your own body weight and these different movements. So I started doing that. And at first I could do that, but then not surf because I was so sore. Mm. I got to the point where I was able to do it and surf. And I just started pushing it. And we had a, a memorial contest uh, for uh, Jason Bennett's dad. It's called the Surf of the Sea. that has been going on for like 20 years in Oceanside. And it's the only contest I ever enter, right? Because it's like for the cause. Yeah. And our buddy Zach Reinhardt is going through cancer. So we did a board rider's heat and all the money went to him. So I'm like, oh, I'll surf that heat. And I just jumped off the jetty and went to paddle and it just exploded. Oh, my um, God. And that was in September. So I haven't surfed in nine months. So basically they cut my front of my neck open like a peasant machine, pulled my trachea aside, took out the old disc and put in a titanium resin polymer disc. So I'm three weeks in on that. So I had to wear a neck brace for two weeks and be at all the board riders contests and not be able to surf this year yeah. and uh so yeah it was pretty much a bummer so now i'm trying to get back down you and look wait. great though i mean well i'm yeah. walking every day it's the only thing i can do yeah and yeah. i quit drinking you know because i you. love rum i could drink gallons of that shit yeah and i uh, stopped drinking and smoking and it's like i want my body to heal yeah just yeah. kind of had the epiphany like i'm in my 50s these next 10 years i still want to be able to surf and skate at some level yeah. of decency so let's just put that shit aside for a while and Good. Get back and get fit, you know. Um, so hard to go through getting older and injuries. I just had two epidurals last Friday in my low back because my discs are L five, uh, four and five. Yeah. yeah, all the surfers they yeah. say back, neck, and hips. When you get over yeah. fifty and surfing, those are yeah. the three main ones. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. Still don't feel good. Have you surfed a wave pool? The only wave pool I've ever surfed is Typhoon Lagoon. No way. <laughs> yeah, haven't been to Waco yet. Haven't been a. Haven't been to Kelly's. Um, Could have went to Waco once, just didn't do it. But I'm kind of waiting because Shane's our boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to go surf the Palm Springs one. Hell That's going to yeah. be the first one I'll probably Epic. surf. Yeah. It's only a quick, quick drive. You know, get in there once. I told Shane's like, of course, Uncle, you can come. He's like, I, I told him, I go, I didn't even hit him up for it because I know he's getting hit up left and right. Oh, for sure. I go, but, you know, when, when the off night comes, call Uncle and hopefully I can get out there. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, so that'll be cool. So exciting. And what, are you, what boards were you riding? Pre-injury. Like. Um, I ride chemistries for the most part. Yeah, Bennett. Yeah, Bennett. I mean, yeah. I, he's like a little brother to me, and I watched him, uh, you know, learn to shape from MB, kind of cut his wings with him. Mm. And um, he knows how I surf. And being a bigger guy, it's hard to get a good board unless you have a really good relationship with a shaper. Yeah. Because you still surf decently for your weight, and people just want to give you a plug when you weigh over 200 pounds. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I ride a little 6'3". Round thumbtail that I really like, and nice. then I've got a fish, and uh, and then I got a couple step ups. I don't have anything over six eight anymore. If it's bigger yeah. than that, I'm good these days. Yeah. But in Hawaii, I bring like a six eight, a six six, and yeah. like a couple six threes or something, and that's it. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, and then uh, eight and a half on the skate, eight and a half, and fifty six wheels. You know, nice. little little big boy board. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> you obviously haven't skated in the last eight months or just surfing or are you able to skate? I actually, when I was hurt, before I was completely diagnosed, I skated yeah. a couple times, but just just curb slash stuff, yeah. like nothing heavy, no no bull pools or anything right now. Yeah. But I'm so, th- like, I, I feel like a kid. I think about surfing and skating nonstop. I have these weird dreams at old spots and, like, wake up and go, like, oh, I wasn't really there, you know. But, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not done yet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not done yet. 
fifties or in the thirties. Yeah. Yeah. So you're eight months into rehab? Nine now. Nine. 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 Yeah, I had the surgery three weeks ago. Um, so first two weeks I had to wear the neck thing, and now I'm out of the neck thing, just letting the cut heal, and then uh, then I got my first post op June 9th, and they'll start doing the PT. So I'm hoping to be able to surf by end of July. Sick. Yeah. So not too. I'm gonna take a nice long trip down to Cabo or something, you know. Hang out with Charlie. Hang out with Charlie. Drive down there and use his house and (laughs) surf all the good waves. Make him drive me around. Cabo's been kind of like the spot to go to right now. It's so well. If you fly, you get on the Valeris thing and fly out of TJ. You get tickets for like under a hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, and land there. I got my Century Pass, so just right through. And Charlie picks you up and go surf for four days. Come back. Leave boards at his house. Now he's got the nice house down there. You know. I might have to, I'm, we might have to slide in on a, on a trip the next time you go. Let's go. Yeah. And Charlie, what he's doing, even though he's retired, he's selling property down there. Sick. So he can show you the ropes if you're interested in all that. And he's already sold like six or eight properties to friends. So he's kind of building out his own neighborhood. Yeah. Kind of like how Zach's, you know, you got Wooly and all those guys. Yeah. He's deeper. So he's got his little crew now. And yeah, he's doing good. That's amazing. Yeah. Is there a talk about an Oceanside wave pool? There's been talk where the old drive-through were it was on then it was off then it was on i'm not sure where it's at as of today they've graded all the land but i don't know i hear it's on then i hear it's off so it's it's a weekly thing and what's your take do you want one or do do the people want it in um it's 50 50 because it's taking up a bunch of land and then the traffic's going to get heavier I think it's kind of cool because I think it'll just create another destination for Oceanside as far as the bigger thinking for me with my business and for all the small businesses, they're going to get more people. Yeah. Um, and maybe it'll thin the lineups out because people are going to go to the wave pool and not be out in the lineup. But uh, we're dealing definitely with the gentrification of more people that aren't from here being in the lineup. Yeah. And a lot of people that have moved here from other places don't understand the hierarchy. Oceanside's still very tight-knit in the lineup. Yeah. And you just don't paddle out to the peak at north side of the pier. The harbor's kind of a little more wide open just because it's like tre- our trestles. Everyone goes there. But as you get south of the harbor, there's definitely hierarchies and lineups and clicks just like newport there's jetties and there's certain yeah you don't cut that dude off that dude we don't know him yeah so that was another reason why we got the oceanside board riders so we could help educate too yeah like hey you don't cut mb off at north jet he's been surfing here for 40 plus years yeah you know that's another good perk of having the board riders club is kind of identifying each other and and you know building those bonds from generations down yeah and and really you know show like respect to the elders yeah and just bringing the kids together like and that like like seeing katie at the contest and she's only 15 and then mike lambrizi who's in his you know late 50s it's like bridging that get that's what we didn't have that's what i was always envious of was like you know if you were from dana point there was flame and there was surfing magazine right there and there was crew shank and the guys before that could help you same thing with huntington you had you know, San Clemente, Oceanside never had that. And I think that's cool with the board riders. It's going to bring that together. Yeah. Like, because yeah. I've known Katie since she was little, but nothing more than seeing her out in the lineup and throwing high fives. Yeah. Now we're actually conversing more and like, yeah. you know, because of the board riders bringing that together. That's so cool. yeah, yeah. Inner squad workouts, the meetings, you know, like yeah. they're, they're all great, you know, get yeah. everybody together. Yeah. We, we made uh, ID cards. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. We did cards, but not ID. Um, so yours actually have the photo, like the picture. old skate park cards? Yeah. yeah. See, we want to do that. We want to buy a laminator. And oh, so yours are like all tech. And then they have all the sponsors, so you could go there and get a deal. Yeah. See, we we, we were going to do this, but we kind of pivoted, and we want to bring this back. This but is one like of the your school on the... idea, you know? Yeah, like yeah. You're, you're part of the club. Well, this is like 
like my old Delmar Skate Ranch card. I still yeah. have it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Stuff yeah. like that. Like, like when you look at collectors, the kids will be like, "Yeah, my membership for the year and, and being a part of it." Yeah. So sick. So sick. Well, dude. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. This has been amazing. Um, it's it's really cool to see somebody that you know, like us, didn't have a college education, but you worked your ass off and you know treated people right throughout your career. And the journey from having a, a single mom, three kids, putting putting herself through schooling to become a what? A uh, journeyman pipe fitter. She actually helped build Santa Nofri plant. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah and then she retired. She retired. In, a, in She's a, a field of gnarly men. No, yeah. and she's, yeah, she, it was gnarly. She yeah. was the one girl that was, and she's not a big girl, so she had to, she had to hold her salt for yeah. sure. I have a lot of respect for my mom. Yeah. That's killer. Yeah. And that, you know, helped instill some work ethic, obviously. 100%, yeah. And, you know, listening to your journey about, you know, the, the WIT roll it, right? WIT, Carlsbad Pipelines. Yeah. So like, helped so many kids, man. That's so freaking awesome to hear, you know, about yeah. him. Believing, for believing sure. Believing and just, you know, that helped, that probably helped spark your desire to, you know, in amateur surfing, right? Yeah. But I mean, if that didn't happen, your whole life would have been different. One thousand percent. Right. Yeah. One. Really, it's an. an and, and he's story. one of like I, I mentioned. Like, there's shops all up and down yeah. every coast around the world that like they bring in and, yeah. and they give help. opportunity yeah. and help. You know, because that's what the the forefathers did before that. You know, the guys that did that before. Like that yeah. was your the surf shop culture. That we hung out and we bounced through from a few different shops over the yeah. years yeah. and stuff, but like that—that that was the birth of like your introduction to the yeah, hundred percent. That industry. was that was the path, and he could have just said, "Yeah, the kid's starting to surf good. We'll see if he ever enters the contest." But yeah. he took the initiative and coughed up twenty-five bucks of GNS's budget and took a chance, you yeah. know. And it was cool, and I'll, I'll never forget that. Yeah, you know? it was cool to hear that you worked at a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone should work at a restaurant once yeah. in their life. They want to know some, how to work. <laughs> yeah, some service industry. Customer right? service, correct. Yeah. yeah. And then from there, magazines to yeah, brands, yeah. magazines. Brands. Yeah. And then you're part of Brixton at the beginning, which is yeah. a, a really interesting tidbit of information that probably not very many people, you know, Brixton's a huge brand around the world. Yeah, that was definitely tricky. I remember a uh, Troy realizing it and I was in a Vulcan me meeting you know and he just pulled me aside he's like I see what you're doing and I was like fuck but I'm like it's all Dave I'm yeah. just a small guy I'm yeah. just part of the equation you know <laughs> but yeah it was a it was a trip to see that and um and it was if it wasn't for those brands we would never would have took the chance yeah you yeah. know and that's it and and it can be done yeah Rivi Rivi it's Rivia Projects Rivia Projects yeah. that's gonna be the next one right let's yeah. go yeah I'm ready to see the goods well it's and it's rad to to listen how all these careers that you've had, Ezekiel, um, the magazines, you know, prepared you. You have your own successful magazine now. You've started a new brand, Low Tide Manufacturing, that, you know. Athlete owned. Athlete owned. <laughs> this guy you know, over it's, here. It, it's, but, but tour guy over here started his own brand. It, it's, it's rad to see good people, authentic people. Definitely. You know, having success and, bro, like. 
and, 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 and Buck all, the, life. all the little Groms that you're supporting are looking up to you, and, and you're like, look, yeah, Grom, get your elbow grease on, and freaking, you can do it too, yeah. you know? Yeah. Hopefully they, they, you know, they listen, and they, you know, pay attention, and they ask questions, and... You know? Yeah. yeah. I just recently had one Grom send me his clothing contract, and I looked it over for him and said, yeah, let's go on this one. Oh, cool. And uh, oddly enough, it's Brixton. Yeah. And, you know, I'm no longer a part of it, but it's funny because I'm like, yeah, do that one. That's a good yeah. one. You know, and awesome. uh, the kid's ripping. So, hey, I'm just proud of all of us in our culture and yeah. our industry. Thank you guys for Thank having you. me. And let's all be good uncles. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uncle. Uncle. Book life. Book life. Peace. Peace. Bonsai Bulls. Hands down the best bulls, period. Seven locations, two in Hawaii, five in Southern California, bonsai bowls. Go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill. Clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You can also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen. The best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade sunscreen. It's been around since the sun. Shade, Shade. sunscreen. <laughs> Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best ickiest stickiest wax in the game foo wax thanks for tuning in we hope you enjoyed the show please give us a five-star rating and spread the word special thanks to our good friends james williams for our awesome artwork and justin reynolds for the amazing music